<laughs> Sawyer found the like bag of diamonds and he was like, not only are these dirty, but they also smell horrible. They smell like so <laughs> these kind of smell like bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is, like, what is your favorite mystery? I would say, ultimately, my favorite ultimate, like, mystery is probably this show, but that feels weird to mm-hmm. say on this podcast. So I was a really, really big fan of BBC's Sherlock oh my when God. I was in high school. My favorite episode was Reichenbach Fall, so I think I'm going to give, like, the number one spot to the Reichenbach Fall episode of Sherlock. But not for the solution. What do you mean the solution? Like, what they ultimately wound up explaining it to be. Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. I, I, I want to give it to the uh, idea of it. Yeah. I also wanted to say, because this is the first episode of the Lost podcast that we are recording when I got I got a dog <laughs> um, and he is eating in the background and so I'm really sorry if you can hear that if you can't great but if you can if he doesn't eat enough he could become anemic is what the vet told me and so I'm gonna let him eat if he wants to eat because he doesn't eat enough it's true thank you because so, he's so busy doing 500 other things he yeah. shouldn't be doing yeah so that's what's happening in the background if you hear little crunches sorry and my name is Brittany Ray I'm a 32 year old artist and writer I like badass moms and long naps I'm on Twitter at Britannia where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat and my favorite mystery is D.B. Cooper Ooh, oh like a true crime yeah like thing. a true crime mystery mm-hmm. I want to know every detail of D.B. Cooper and the fact that I'll never know it haunts me I do have to say I don't want to call it my favorite one, but the one that is stuck with me, the one that haunts me to I this know day, what you're say, and is Elisa Lamb. Yeah. It's terrifying. If you're scared of things, don't go looking up what happened to Elisa Lamb. She was from Vancouver, which scares me the most. And she, oh, I don't want to talk about it. It's it's very scary. And they have like a video of her, like surveillance of her kind of like, it's scary. Anyway. The prevailing theory was that she was like drugged. Mm-hmm. If like that takes some of the scary out of it yeah. for you. There's a documentary on Netflix about it. Yeah. It haunts me. Yeah. Every time, like, I, you know, there's this one picture that they always show of her. Of, of just like in her. The no, like, the, no, just like the one where they like show her, like they would put it in a newspaper, you know, it's just a picture oh, yeah, of her yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't even look at it without like getting chills. Oh, yeah. It's a scary, uh, <laughs> it's a scary story. And this episode's guest is my cousin Aaron. Yay! Ooh. Yeah, my name is Aaron Grunewald. I'm a 27 year old living in Calgary, Alberta. My day job might be in data science, but I prefer analyzing reality TV science. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron Groovyveld, where really I just criticize my favorite sport teams. It's true. Aaron and I have this thing going where every single year we subtweet each other on Twitter and try and um, hide our happy birthday messages to each other. Oh, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like we get more and more successful every year, and so that <laughs> makes every year more terrifying. We've gone into images now, which is a real yeah. problem, and I feel bad for starting that. That. Yeah. That was back when the tit- the uh, Twitter crop was around and yeah. one of mine got really ruined by that. So Yeah, because because instead of <laughs> instead of it being like open for a surprise, oh that's where it says happy birthday, Robin, it accidentally cropped it so it just said happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Robin. Yeah. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> You're kind of going against the spirit of this contest, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. yeah right. So Like I said earlier, Aaron is my cousin, and I'm really excited because when this episode comes out, I think we'll be seeing each other for the first time in, like, two years, maybe? Like, in person? Oh, that's crazy. Wow. No, like a year and a half. 
Because we were together in like last July for grandma's birthday. Man, I should really just fly out to Vancouver. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's exciting. We'll be together. Aaron has been on this podcast twice before, but he called this episode like years ago. Oh yeah. And so if you want to remind everybody real quick, who are some of your favorite characters on this show? Oh yeah. Okay, so my favorite character is Arst, which... I'm very, very happy about getting this episode. I didn't even remember that Arst was in it, but that is just the cherry on top. Yeah, Arst number one, season six, Claire is also another great one. Right. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, Locke for my favorite main character. Right. These are such huge opinions. Yeah. And so how did um, Lost sort of like come into your life? Oh, I think by almost <laughs> the same way almost everyone, uh, Robin told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I know this one. <laughs> yeah, so the first time I watched it was on, um, I think it was the summer after Robin had first watched it and she borrowed us the DVDs. And our, <laughs> my sister, Robin's other cousin, was the one that really took off with it. Uh, so I would try to catch as many episodes as I could, but I also had a job. So right. <laughs> I missed a bunch of season two the first time that I watched it. It's a little confused about the whole Hatch situation. <laughs> but yeah, and then I've watched Lost two other times since. And actually, sorry, I'm, I'm really going off here, but <laughs> I think the- Stop you. I think the way that you watch this episode for the first time is really important. Yes. So yeah, I watched it- uh, with DVDs all in a row. And then the second time I watched it was also on Amazon Prime streaming. The third time on Disney Plus streaming just this last summer. And well, I just think that's important. We can get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then what's your favorite mystery? Oh, my favorite mystery. Uh, is it bad if I say Walt? No. No, that's fair. <laughs> He's special. I think it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Forever our- unsolved. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 314 of Lost. Expose. You guys, this episode is, at the time, it was so polarizing, but I think that it has come completely back around. And now almost everyone that I know and talk to who's still actively in this fandom loves this episode. That's what happens with bad, good episodes. Yeah. That's just how it is. Uh Uh-huh. Like, people didn't like it at first because they were like, who cares about these jabronis? (laughs) (laughs) like Sawyer says and can we just instead talk about like what's going on with the main storyline like literally Locke just blew up a submarine and you're telling me about this true sorry that's a fair criticism I guess but also like when you look back at it I was like this is the most one of the most incredible like one episode arcs of storytelling that they ever did oh I completely agree I mean maybe yeah So the reason why it's called Expose, oh, and I did have to say, I posted on Twitter today, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to record Expose today, and no less than three people replied to me and said, I'm so excited to listen to this episode. Oh, that's cute. So people are excited. This is a, um, it is a- Anticipated. Anticipated episode of this podcast. And so basically it's called Expose because it's the name of Nikki's TV show that she's on. What? Um, They're also uncovering a mystery. And Expose is French for exposed. And in colloquial English, it means a revelation or exposure often revealed in the print or news media. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little salacious. Yeah. Um, The broadcast date was March 28th, 2007. It was written by Eddie and Adam, Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. And it was directed by Stephen Williams. Aaron, you chose this episode years ago. What made you choose this episode and why do you love it so much? Well, I think it's like, like you said, I think it's one of the best one episode arcs 
mm-hmm. maybe in the history of television. But <laughs> go off. <laughs> but also at the same time, I completely understand all the criticism of it. Mm-hmm. And in the context of probably when it premiered, it probably is a bad episode. Right. Yeah. Just because like I'm sure it was very fun for the writers to actually write and mm-hmm. think like, oh, this is a cool send-off to these characters that we liked but the audience obviously did not like didn't notice (laughs) but i i don't think that tv audiences necessarily were that sophisticated listening or Mm. watching lost and you have to think of like the relationship from the viewers to their tv every week when you're Mm -hmm. when you gather the whole family around and watch lost uh and yeah like you said lock uh blows up the submarine and then you're trying to figure out what happens next and then there's no recap for the next episode (laughs) right and it's just some random well not some random you know we love nikki but Mm -hmm. some person running through the jungle it's pretty frustrating and when you realize that nothing's going to happen in the episode so it's almost like the meat like now it it is a good episode because we can just watch it streaming and it goes by Mm -hmm. very quickly and you can actually appreciate for it for what it is but back then you really couldn't and the medium is sort of the message at the same time. So it's both a bad episode and a good episode. It was so hypocritical, though, at the time, too, because they kept being like, like the audience, that is, was like, oh, tell us about these random people that are in the background. Like, why are we only talking about the main characters? And that's one of the things that Arst was bringing up in season one, at the end of season one, where he was just like, hey, uh, uh, the rest of us have lives, too. It's not just us because you guys are in the A-team, you know, like, we're also like, fully realized people you know and so the audience was like well tell us more about them then and then they were like okay and then this episode came out and they were like uh get back to the normal stuff (laughs) you know so that was like yeah it was like hypocritical to be honest and i think i think ultimately like looking back on this this episode has like a cult like following and i completely respect that and this is in my like top 10 episodes the best bad episodes have cult following yeah that's why everyone in the Star Trek fandom talks about Threshold. Mm. Just some things deserve a cult following. Right. So some fun facts that I pulled off of Lostpedia about this episode. Even though they are the featured characters of this episode, the only dialogue that Nikki and Paolo have is in their flashbacks. Except for Nikki's last words, which are also shown in flashback at the end of the episode. <gasps> That's right? weird. So the entire time when we're in the present, they don't talk, even though they're the main characters of the episode, which is pretty cool. And it, this is the first episode to feature flashbacks of events already shown with Within the episode of like within the episode itself. Also, there was a uh, there was a loss in location and a commentary for this episode, which I I checked out both of them just of course to make sure I had stuff for it. And I think Adam and Eddie had said like usually they would do like two like if you split up the episode of the storylines into three, it's usually like two parts island storyline one part flashback Mm -hmm. and this episode was two parts flashback one part present they just decided to break all the rules yeah this episode marks both the earliest and latest chronological appearances of nikki and paolo because we see them for the the earliest which is nikki on on expose and the latest which is them being buried at the same time uh this is the first episode of season three in which all current cast members appeared however naveen and matt only appeared in archive footage uh although some of matt's footage is made up of alternate takes originally from pilot part one and what Kate did. Oh, so all current cast members are appearing in this episode first time in season three, but um, Naveen and Matt didn't shoot anything new. We deserve to have that more. 
Yeah, right. Um, okay, so now we've decided that we are going to cover this episode based on how it is shown in the episode, because I feel that instead of trying to do it chronologically the way time works, like start with Nikki's stuff and then end with, you know, and then end with the island storyline of like Hurley playing Sherlock and everything, it kind of like gives a disservice to the way that it was written because I feel like it was a, like a piece of art, to be honest, the way, <laughs> I am not kidding, a piece of art the way that it was sort of put together, I think. We need to honor this episode. Exactly, exactly. And so I did a summary of the episode. We are chronologically, we're, we're covering it chronologically as the episode aired but i wrote my summary chronologically how it actually happened in their lives hey quick question why did you do that Uh, it was just easier all right fair (laughs) enough so uh i usually we would summarize the storylines right before we talk about them but we are talking about this whole episode so i summarized the whole episode (gasps) who is she so enjoy Hello and welcome to the Nikki and Paolo episode. <laughs> we begin by seeing Nikki stripping at a club, but when she goes in the back, she learns that the club owner, Mr. Lashad, has been the Cobra all along, and then she gets shot and killed. Turns out she's a guest star on the show Expose. She's dating one of the producers, Howie Zuckerman. He has a new personal chef, Paolo. Zuckerman starts seizing and passes away. Nikki and Paolo were working together and poisoned him. They go into his safe and get $8 million in diamonds. They head to the airport where they learn they got away with the crime and also Paolo is quitting smoking. That's important for later. (laughs) Sure, sure. They see Boone and Shannon arguing there and they're like, ew, let's not be them. After the crash, Nikki searches for Paolo and needs to know where their bag is. That night they meet Ethan who introduces himself and, oh wait, I wrote that night, but I realize it's like five days later. Oh, um, they meet Ethan, who introduces himself and offers to help them if they need anything. They witness Jack do the live together, die alone speech. Nikki at some point goes to see Dr. Arst, who is collecting bugs, because he's discovering new species. He tells her about the Medusa spider. That's important for later. <laughs> she asks for help looking at trajectories. Nikki and Paolo follow Arst's map through the jungle. They find Echo's plane and the Pearl Station. Paolo refuses to go up to the plane, and Nikki refuses to go down to the Pearl, so they just move on. <laughs> Several days later, Shannon and Ars yell at Kate for not telling everyone that they found guns. Nikki asks Kate where she found the case. They go to the waterfall and Nikki makes Paolo get in. He finds the bag but says that he doesn't. Later he goes through the bag and finds the diamonds and his nicotine gum. He's going to bury the diamonds on the beach but Locke gives him the advice to hide it somewhere that won't wash away. Paolo makes his way back to the pearl and stashes the diamonds in the tank of the toilet there. He overhears Ben and Juliet discussing their plan. Earlier this season when Nikki and Paolo went with Locke and co to the pearl, Paolo was in the bathroom retrieving the diamonds. Another day, Nikki misses real life and Paolo says it was good that they never found the diamonds because it would have torn them apart. It's a nice moment until Nikki notices that he dropped his nicotine gum, which means that he found the bag. She goes to Sawyer and asks for a gun, but they argue over the fact that he won't give it to her. She brings Paolo out into the jungle and throws the Medusa spider at him, paralyzing him. She finds the diamonds and he apologizes, saying that he just didn't want to lose her. She finds some actual remorse before getting bit by a spider herself. She runs to bury the diamonds and rushes out onto the beach where Hurley and Sawyer were playing ping pong. She whispers, paralyzed, so that they know she's not dead, but unfortunately they mishear her as Paolo lies, which is still sort of true. (laughs) They go on an Agatha Christie-like hunt, learning what happened to them and things about them. Hurley loved expose, they find a walkie-talkie and think they're working for the others. Sun keeps bringing up that time that she got attacked by the others and Charlie eventually confesses that he and Sawyer were the ones behind that. Sun slaps Sawyer for it and you know what? He deserved that. Sawyer also gets in trouble because Hurley asks Desmond if he can use his powers to get more information and he can't but he does know that Sawyer was arguing with Nikki. Turns out Sawyer found the diamonds. They have a funeral for the two and they scatter the diamonds over them. Just as they're about to throw sand on top of their faces, Nikki's eyes open and her eight hours are up. 
Unfortunately, the rest of their bodies don't wake up in time for them to not be suffocated by the dirt. They are buried alive. It's some dark crap that happens in this episode. It's amazing. What a heart stopper. It's Literally. Okay. Literally. Basically. Their, their hearts were basically almost exactly. stopped anyway. So we are going to go through this episode chronologically. So first of all, Nikki is running and burying something and then just keeps going. Then we go straight into a flashback. Nikki is stripping and they say that she's the pride of St. Paul. And I'm like, Minnesota? But I it's not. So. No, yeah. it's not. She's in Australia. Oh, wow. Oh, no, wait, wait. No, wait. Does expose takes, maybe expose takes place in Minnesota and they just shoot it in Sydney. That would be more common for like movies. Wait, where is she from? Nikki? I think yeah. she's from America. No one in the show has an Australian accent. So she must be from St. Paul. Like Billy Dee Williams does it. Oh, I thought, for a second I thought you were talking about this show. I was like, have you met Claire Littleton? You know what I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's true. So it probably, the probably, it's expose, probably an American show. Expose probably doesn't take place in Australia. No. Just so let's say credits. the pride of St. Paul. Minnesota. Yeah, tax credits. Exactly. I do think it's funny that she's the pride of a saint though. Like she's out there stripping and he's like, she's the pride of St. Paul. And St. Paul is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes by Corvette and she follows a guy into a room and he's got a case of money. And she's like, no, that's the money for the orphanage. And already you're like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out Mr. Lashad is the Cobra, which is a huge revelation. And I know that she's a guest star, but like her being the one to like find that revelation when the audience and didn't tell even the know audience? that yeah. is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, obviously shout out to Billy D. Williams mm-hmm. and then uh yeah I was so confused by the just the structure of this show yeah right it's like I, and I love that Hurley Hurley knows it and later he's like Sawyer hello it's this show about this and Sawyer's like wow can't believe I missed that and I was like me neither it sounds like it's up your alley yeah, it sounds like it's a great show <laughs> yeah. and so she gets attacked and she screams razzle dazzle which of course is iconic and in the commentary um Eddie and Adam said that Damon was the one who came up with that phrase I thought it was actually pretty funny that Damon or that Adam and Eddie were the ones who wrote this episode but several times in the commentary they would like get to iconic moments in the episode and they'd be like Haha, that was Damon's idea <laughs> we're like oh okay so we know who that actual good writer is here got <laughs> yeah. it mm-hmm. I'm like I, that's why he's in charge you know I don't feel bad dunking on the creators of once upon a time yeah I'm gonna allow it mm-hmm. so then she gets shot two times and she falls and then she gets shot one more time and at first I thought it was she got shot three times and then one more time and I was like that's four that's one of the numbers but she doesn't for some reason I don't know Okay. And then Autumn and Crystal are told that Corvette was working for the Cobra. And then I mean, like, technically that's true. Right, I guess. And then cut, it's a film set. And um, she was clearly a really important character because this is a huge reveal for the audience. Um, and then the clapboard guy, the guy who has the clapboard that kind of reveals to us that it's a film set, he turns it upside down at the end, which means that they didn't slate at the beginning of the shot. I went to film school. Wow. Why, why wouldn't they slate at the beginning of a shot? Probably, like, actually, if it was an actual set, I don't know why they wouldn't sh- slate at the beginning of the shot. Because usually the person walks out the... Uh, first assistant director or whatever would walk out, do the slate, and then that would be at the beginning of the ep- or of the shot. But if you turn it upside down, that means that you didn't slate at the beginning for whatever reason. Maybe it was a sign of uh, respect for uh, when a character dies. Maybe. And also it could be, I think it also narratively, it was just important to show that it was a film set. Could it just you be know? sheer incompetence on the behalf of the, <laughs> the crew of Expose? Yeah, the director was like, 
oh, I forgot. Can you just go in there? Yeah, <laughs> this isn't a real show anyway. Yeah. However, there was a fun fact on Lostpedia. It said the slate board shown at the beginning of the episode informs viewers that the fictional season finale episode of Expose was directed by Stephen Williams, who directed this episode of Lost. Oh. Um, uh, so I'm like, wow, congratulations, Stephen. You exist <laughs> in the canon. Canonically. Now. Yeah. They have a guy playing him, like an actor playing him in the background. And I'm like, you're not him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know it's not him, though. Yeah. Ah, of course. So Billy D. Williams is here, and he's playing himself. So that's pretty cool, because he also exists in the Lost canon now. I think that's so cool. The minute he showed up on screen, I was like, I forgot Billy D. Williams' name, so I just said Lando. I think that's probably something he as an actor resents. It depends. You know, it's like, it, it can go either way, whether an actor is like, yes, thank you, this is what I'm known for, and this is where I got my start, mm -hmm. and some of them who resent it, and I'm like, why would you resent that? I think at this point, he just has to milk it for all it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's clear that Nikki has a pretty good relationship with him, which is pretty cool. And the producer is here and he is Howard L. Zuckerman. And fun fact, Zuckerman in German loosely translate to sugar man or sugar daddy. So that's wow. who that guy is. <laughs> oh. That's a, re that's a revelation. Yeah. It also says Zuckerman, the producer of Expose, is the same name as the farmer in Charlotte's Web. Homer Zuckerman. Um, Charlotte's Web title character is a spider, as is one of the pivotal characters in this episode. So there's your Zuckerman. <laughs> there's all your Zuckerman fun facts. It's a deep episode. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So it is the series wrap for Nikki and everyone's clapping and they're like, hey, do you want to come back next season? And she's like, I don't know if you missed it, but I died. I like, but like, what a huge offer. Mm -hmm. All right, that's a series wrap for Corvette. Let's hear it for Nikki. Well done, Rob. Brilliant, Vicky, as always. You know, you don't need to die. We can bring you back next season. <laughs> How? Well, we could say that Corvette uh, was wearing a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof breast. Look, I'm just a guest star, and we all know what happens to guest stars. We can get into this later, but what are the logistics of their plan? Like, is this a... To, like, to bring her back? <laughs> well, I mean, Nikki and Paolo's plan. Well, obviously, they're not great planners, but... And it works out. But, mm -hmm. like, is she a real actor? And, you know what? I thought the same thing. I was like, aren't you kind of prolific? And... Or, she has her own Or, or is this her big catchphrase. break? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. How long has she been on this show? What else has she been in? Where's her IMDb, huh? <laughs> Nikki Fernandez, I can't find you. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. So how did she get her start in this show? Has she been in another show? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Paolo later is mad that she slept with him. Mm -hmm. But how else would this plan work? Yeah. Am I getting ahead of myself? Exactly. She's like, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, if you're not, if you're an actor and you're kissing him in front of all of these people so everyone knows that you were dating him. Yes. If he dies and you just like bounce and don't even go to the funeral, you're looking mad suspicious. Exactly. It's a little suspicious. And they're like, haha, we got away with it. And I'm like, maybe you wouldn't have if you hadn't gotten in a plane crash. And if well, she... the thing is, no, they would have because mm. you'd have to be then extradited back to the country that mm. you committed the crime in. And that gets really difficult sometimes. Mm. Stand trial in St. Paul. Yeah, St. Paul, Minnesota <laughs> counts. Anyway, so a very she... confusing yeah. situation for her. Like, 
just it's just comp- why would you ruin your acting career like this yeah and i'm sure it's very promising they're gonna bring you back and i'm sure that there are some there's some sort of paperwork that says that paolo was also working for him so if she was dating him he dies she bounces with the chef there are a million true crime <laughs> podcasts about this i guarantee yep oh there's, there's my mystery actually yeah that's it that's it yeah it's like you know someone's made like a million true crime episodes about all of this and then can you believe it they uh died in a plane crash i would it, like it's so dramatic that would be such a good podcast yeah. wow. i would be obsessed with that yeah Pretty come on here and be like, D.B. Cooper who? No, literally, it's like you start that podcast and you actually go through it, like, mm-hmm. episode by episode, yeah. and then you don't reveal until the final thing that you actually just are telling people a storyline from Lost. Yeah. It reminds me of, there's this bonus feature on season four, on the season four DVD of, of Lost. I don't want to say too much because, obviously, it's spoilers. But, you know, there's this thing, I think that if anybody has seen this, they know what I'm talking about, but it's like a conspiracy of lies. It's called A Conspiracy of Lies. And basically it's a kind of like a documentary that was made as if what happened in the show actually happened and why like lies are happening and stuff. It's really cool. That's deeply awesome. It's like my favorite bonus feature that has ever been on anything ever. Wow. And I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube if you guys want to look. It's pretty cool. And so she's like, I can't come back next season because I'm dead. And he's like, well, we can say that she was wearing like a bulletproof vest. And she's like, I'm a stripper. I'm not wearing anything under this. And he's like, I don't know, we could make her boobs bulletproof. And I'm like, good one, Howie. Listen, the man's a visionary. (laughs) And she's like, I'm a guest star. It's okay. We all know what happens to guest stars. I love all of the like almost fourth wall breaks that are happening. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. We all know what happens to guest stars. Medusa spiders. Yeah, and so he's like, are you, so are you leaving Sydney? And she's like, no, I love you. And so you're like, okay, so at this point when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, okay, so this is why she was in Sydney. They make it very clear that she's in Sydney, mm-hmm. but where's Paolo? Because you're like, she's dating this guy and I thought she was dating Paolo, you know? So when you're watching it for the first time, you're like trying to put these things together. On Lostpedia, it said, when Nikki and Howie are shown in Sydney Harbor, the location of the Sydney Opera House is incorrect in the CGI makeup of the harbor. In the show, the the opera house can be seen to the right of the cityscape, whereas in real life, there is open water to the left of the opera house. How do you mess that up? You can't get it right all the time. Like, I, I think that they are constantly getting it wrong. <laughs> They're constantly <laughs> right. getting it wrong every time they CGI it in. There's so many episodes. How yeah. can you focus on all of them? I think, like, because that happened to Anna Lucia once, too, when she was looking out in Two for the Road. And it was like, that's just not right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, what? She's dating this old-ass man. And you're immediately like, I know what's happening here. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the minute he was like, huh? I was like, oh, right, right. No, I love you. Oh, Oh, right. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. They're in love. Yeah. For sure. Sure. So we go back to the island and Hurley and Sawyer are still playing ping pong because Sawyer just wants to win like one game against Hurley. Honestly, I can't can't do it. And so they're going to change it from best of five to best of seven. But then Nikki stumbles out and they like run over and she mumbles something. And Sawyer's like, quick, get her, get get her water. And I'm like, well, that's very nice of you. Listen, the bar is very low for Sawyer. And I appreciate that. (laughs) It's true. And so Sawyer like tries to look where she came from and yells at Hurley to go get the water because he hasn't gone yet. And she's, and Hurley's like, no, she's dead. I did want to say throughout this whole episode, they're just like, they're staring off into oblivion. Their eyes must be so dry. Oh my God, right? Oh. I was thinking the entire time, I'm like, your eyes have been open for so long. Yeah, when Sawyer like closes her eyes later, I'm just like, honestly, thank you. Oh, I was thinking that too. Would their eyes not water? Mm-hmm. What's that? Would their eyes not water? 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, Medusa like, spiders. Uh, yeah, big uh, side effect. Your eyes don't water. Yeah. Yeah, That you know what? <laughs> That's that, it. You said that with such authority. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Uh, I love that. We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. And so then Hurley's like, oh my God, Nikki's dead. And Sawyer's like, who's Nikki? And I'm like, Sawyer, who do you think is Nikki? Maybe it's this girl who's dead in front of you. Exactly. But I love the I love the running gag of him asking who she is. It's great. So we go to 84 days ago and I checked and the present, like the day that we are on in the present is day 81. So this is three days before the crash. Okay. So like I said, they killed Howie and were on a plane in three days. Suspicious. Yeah, I would. Yeah, they would be under investigation immediately. Yeah, it's... Well, you know what? I know what I'm realizing. What? They specifically said that it was heart failure. Failure. They're not looking for anybody. But, oh, duh. But it's still suspicious that she just bounces. They're looking for where to send the funeral invite. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're like, where did she go? Like, where anyway. Guys, like, I don't know, a couple? <laughs> well, like, even then, like, how much did they clean up after that? You know? Like, did you leave your, like, all the rolls on the... Like, did you leave the breakfast on there? I wonder if they, like, put him on the couch or something? Like, we just don't know. Maybe. Weird. Maybe he just, like, died face first into his food and they were like, all right, see ya. But they were like, he was found in his house. And I'm like, well, if he was eating, then shouldn't his personal chef be there to say something? That's a good point. These details are fuzzy. You're asking too many questions. Wow, it's a good thing they crashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I feel like Kate feels the same way. She's like, honestly, few. So this is three days before the crash. They're eating breakfast. And I did grab a couple of quotes from the commentary when I was listening to it. So Edward Kitsis uh, said this during the commentary. He said, this scene was actually going to be dinner. And we ended up having to shoot it for breakfast for like filming reasons. I think it's better. You understand that she slept over. You understand the intimacy. And it's a great mislead because you think this is actually when she met Paolo. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my God, Howie, this is so good. And he's like, it's my new chef, Paolo. (laughs) And at this point, when you're watching for the first time, you're like, oh, is this the only way they know each other? And they just like grow closer on the island. Like, how did they get on the plane together? You know? And she's like, oh my God, nice to meet you. I definitely don't know you. <laughs> we've, Hi. we've never met. That's yeah. crazy. If he, I mean, I guess he must be a really, really new chef. Yeah, like never met. Like it's been two days. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, the secret is shaved truffles." And she's like, "You should ask for a raise." And everyone's like, "Ha ha ha!" <laughs> this this charming banter. Yeah. No one's about to die. Your raise is all the diamonds we're about to steal. Oh yes. Yeah, so we basically just talked about this already. But one, my next note was: Imagine if she got caught. This would be the scandal of the century. Oh yeah, it'd be like, so good though. Like she dates the producer and then kills him like hello and so he's like well paolo came to sydney and he wouldn't leave me alone until i hired him haha he's the wolfgang puck of brazil isn't that crazy i was like if he's a big deal in brazil why would he need a job as your personal chef exactly they all have, think of that as suspicious yeah they all have great careers <laughs> why, yeah. are, why are they ruining this why literally you don't need to ruin them you guys have good jobs yeah. however on lostpedia it said zuckerman refers to paolo as the wolfgang puck of brazil puck is an austrian-american celebrity chef restaurateur and businessman based in los angeles this is likely also a reference to rodrigo santoro's nickname in the media of the brazilian tom cruise really Whoa. so that's why they call the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil. Okay, a, that's interesting. That. So Howie tells her to try one of the rolls because he bought her a diamond bracelet and it was a surprise. <gasps> Even more diamonds for you. Lucky, lucky. <laughs> yeah, just take that and run. Yeah, she's like, thanks, but this is not the diamonds that I want. And then he's like, well, it's not a ring, not yet. And I'm like, oh, so they're that serious. Oh, got oh, it. That seems even more lucrative. Yeah, exactly. Oh right, guys, like, just do that. <laughs> 
a lot of bad decisions here. Yeah, he's like, well, not yet. It's not a ring yet. But when my wife... And I'm like, oh, wait. Uh, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> oh, there it is. And at first I was like, when my wife died, I'm going to tell a story about what happened after my wife died and you're good. Or when my wife finalizes the divorce. Like, I'm like, do you currently have a wife or no? <laughs> Apparently, Lostpedia from the casting call of, of Howie, like when they asked for someone to come and play him, it said that he has a current wife. <gasps> so he does. Oh my God, what a pig. Howie. And so like, next question, where is she? I uh, Probably back home in America. We never learn because he dies. Well, he's from uh, the UK. So he might be, she might be there. Mm, fair enough. And I love the detail of like, as he starts to sort of like clutch his chest and everything, I love the detail of Nikki like still acting worried as, it ha- as it's happening. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. Because like, just in case he recovers, she needs to have been worried about it, you yep. know? Also, it'd be so cruel to know, like, right as you're dying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Imagine if she was like, oh, finally. And, like, he's, like, as he's dying and then he recovers and he's like, you were trying to kill me. <laughs> my chef was fake. <laughs> Not my chef. That really hits me where it hurts. <laughs> Your food wasn't very good. <laughs> I also think that this was probably a way for her to, like, if he did recover, she would be able to just blame Paolo and then Paolo would go to jail because it's clear she doesn't really care that much about him. Oh. Oh. She totally would do that. Yeah. She's kind of a bitch. Mm -hmm. So Nikki grabs a key from around Howie's neck and that parallels Jack who has the key around his neck and that's brought up later in this episode so it's definitely a clear parallel that they're doing. Okay. And as soon as he's dead, she completely changes. Oh, it's like her whole personality just like falls off. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, Paolo, why did I have to eat the same food as him? I almost got poisoned. She really is a great actor. If he had like, if he yeah, had- she is. If he had pulled, like, a cronk by accident and, like, accidentally put the poison in all the uh, other places. The poison for, what's his name? The poison for Cusco. The, the poison, no, not Cusco. What's the producer's name? <laughs> Howie. The poison for I was Howie. like, Howie. you Howie. forgot Howie. Cusco's name. I don't think I could ever forget Cusco's name. Yeah. How can you forget Cusco? So they go into his walk-in closet and they find a safe. And he's like, oh, does no one know about this? And she's like, no, it's all it's all a secret in here. Like, she clearly, she knows so well that it's, like, behind a false wall and she already knows where Yeah, she's been banging him for a while. Yeah. That or he's easily manipulated. Probably both. Yeah. Why do you guys think that Paolo used his actual name to work for him? Incompetence. It's that one. Yeah. I also wonder if it's also partially, like, if he did actually already have credentials in Brazil, then he, like, would need to use his real name so that he would know that it was real. So Paolo's gonna light a cigarette in there and Nikki's like, hi, are you stupid? Evidence. And also, we're trying to, we're trying to poison him not ourselves. And honestly, I love this anti-tobacco sentiment. Oh yeah, just throw a little PSA in there. Yeah, exactly. This episode has everything. <laughs> this episode has everything. Yeah. Anti-murder sentiment, <laughs> anti-thieving sentiments, and anti-smoking. Where do you figure there's an anti-murder sentiment here? Well, I think basically um, you could argue murder bad. Uh, sure. But who who murdered? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the whole- Zuckerman's dead, I guess. Yeah. That turned out okay, though. I, when I was in college, did an anti-tobacco show. Uh, I did five tours of it. We, like, toured around to, like, elementary schools, middle schools in central Alberta. Okay. And it's been going on since 1995, this, like, thing that I was doing. It's called The Ugly. Okay. And I did five tours of it. And did you know that now now it's been disbanded because it's all about like vaping now, I guess. And now I have the record for most amount of tours. I was the cast member who did the most of them. That's true. You did. So fun fact about me. Wow. A celebrity. I have so many tobacco facts in my head. So then we have the Russian nesting doll. 
And the Russian Matryoshka doll's nesting form mimics the show Exposé. It's a show within a flashback within the episode Exposé. It is also a hint on Lost itself for being a show where mysteries are solved only to reveal other similar mysteries right beneath the original layer. And then she says Razzle Frickin' Dazzle, which is iconic. This will be fun. On Lostpedia, it also said Nikki and her character Corvette both used the catchphrase Razzle Dazzle, which is a song in the musical Chicago about distracting a jury with dramatics so they won't see the truth. Give them the old Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> You're welcome. And also it said that the scenes in Zuckerman's home show Nikki with black fingernails, and in the next scene at the airport, Nikki's fingernails are white. So, so she black, had a manicure. And also black and black white. Black and white. Uh. So true, bestie. So back in the present, everyone is around Nikki's body. And Charlie is asking what's going on, but then Hurley is explaining that they don't know. And Sun thinks that it was something she ate, and Charlie's like, oh, was he was he poisoned? Which, of course, leave it to Charlie to be dramatic. And, of course, Sun is thinking about this because Sun poisoned Michael in season one. Oh, yeah. Oh. By accident. She meant to poison Jin, but she accidentally poisoned Michael. Listen, so it makes some sense things happened. That she would jump to this. And so they're like, let's see if anyone else is sick, because, like I said, Jin was the one who the water was meant to be for. So maybe someone was trying to poison somebody else, and they accidentally poisoned them, and that's what happened. And then Charlie notices her fingernails and calls it gunk, and you know what? I just wanted to say that that's rich for someone whose nails look like that. Okay, oh. literally, when he was like, there's stuff under her fingernails, I'm like, that's all of you. Yeah. You guys live on a beach. Yeah, if Charlie, if you're so aware of fingernails, then I mean, take a look in the mirror. What? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Exactly. Sawyer thinks that she said plywood, and then Hurley thinks it was power lines. But Hurley loves a mystery. He watches expose himself, and Sherlock Hurley is so fun. This episode, he takes it so seriously, and I just appreciate that. Where'd you find it? Right here. He stumbled out of the jungle, face planted, said something like plywood, and. Sorry, no. Actually, I think she said power lines. Well, who the hell knows what she said? She was five seconds from dying. She's probably seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Paolo lies. That's what she said. Paolo lies, not power lines. Paolo lies. Who the hell's Paolo? Paolo's her husband or, or boyfriend or whatever. They live down the beach. Well, where the hell is he? Because if he lies, that might be a good place to start. I thought they said pair of lies when I watched it yesterday. Oh, yeah. But, uh... I, I love how well they skirt that line between, like, us being able to understand it and then, like, totally being able to understand it at the end. Yep. Like, I think that the edit- editing is probably slightly different, just in case, but um, it's just so good. Yeah, totally works. So then Hurley realizes that it was Paolo lies, and Sawyer's like, who's Paolo? Oh, Sawyer. And so they're like, oh my god, Sawyer, that was her husband or, like, her boyfriend or something. And so it's funny that Hurley is like, oh my god, Sawyer, you don't know their names? And it's clear that Hurley knows their names, but but doesn't know anything about them. <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty rich to be like, you don't know their names. Be like, you don't know, you don't even know them. Yeah. Well, yeah, Hurley was just hanging around with the manifest for so long. It's not fair. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's true. He knows everyone's name. Um, Yeah, and he crosses them out every time, every time someone dies. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, let's figure out where he is, because apparently he lies. So let's figure it out. Ooh. So we go 80 days ago, which is one day from the crash. And so we're at the airport and reading the newspaper that is Howie's obituary. On Lostpedia, it said, when Paolo and Nikki are reading the newspaper in the airport prior to their flight, the date in the newspaper is shown as Thursday, September 24th, 2004, rather than September 22nd, which is the date of the actual plane crash. In addition, the Thursday of that week was actually the 23rd of September. So script coordinator Greg Nations 
who is a god and who is like basically the continuity police and does a very good job most of the time. Okay. Greg Nations confirmed that this was a prop error and that they had caught it and it was supposed to have gotten fixed, but it still ended up in the aired version of the episode somehow. (gasps) That must haunt him. It probably probably does. (laughs) Again, this episode has everything, including time travel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, it says one day from the crash, but was it really? Or was it two days after the crash happened? And so they said that he was found dead from heart failure. So they just bounced and got away with it somehow. Sure. They said he was an English expat, which means that he left England to become a citizen of Australia. He was a producer of Exposé, Strike Team Alpha, and Dr. Kincaid Esquire. And Kincaid was the name of Locke's physical therapist last episode. Oh. I don't think those have anything to do with each other, but that's just a... True fact. Someone just really liked that name. I guess so. And there was also a thing about Expose last episode because Locke, when he was eating like that TV dinner before Peter Talbot showed up, was also watching Expose. Um, oh yeah, you you mentioned that last time. And that was like four years before... Oh my god. That was like four years before this, which means that he was watching season one of Ex- Expose. Wow. He was an OG stan. Yeah. I was like, maybe Locke would have recognized Nikki, but Nikki just showed up in season four. I and think. she was just a guest star. Yeah. So they they straight up just laugh about Howard's death and kiss about it. And I'm yeah. like, you guys are great people. Yeah, they're deeply um, moral people, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Like, if I was listening to this, because I... I will say I love to... uh, I don't know where the sentence is going. Eavesdrop. It's true you do. I'm nosy. Yeah. And so if I was eavesdropping on them reading the obituary of this man and then laughing, I'd be like, what? Yeah, I would be like, "Um, I think I need to report these people for murder. Aren't you the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Sir, please, I recognize you from somewhere. Yeah. Aren't you him? Luckily, Exposé hasn't debuted yet in season four. Or has it? Right, exactly. Do we know? So, like, has she even shown up? How how many episodes has she done? You know? That would exactly. be hysterical. Someone just stops Nikki and they're like, are you the Nikki? Aren't you Nikki Fernandez? Corvette? Corvette? Is that you? Are you going to be the next con? <laughs> hey, please tell me, tell me, who's the Cobra? <laughs> so he's chewing his nicotine gum because he knows that she doesn't like him smoking. And honestly, that's really nice. It's pretty respectful. It's pretty pretty sweet of him. And we see that he has the expose season four script bag. We can see that they have the Russian nesting doll inside. I'm still not really sure how they got through security, even if it was just in a nesting doll. Yeah, you kind of have to declare these things. Yeah. yeah. Especially at that time when everyone was on alert for everything. Yeah. And you can also see that he has a Brazilian passport. And it said on Laspedia that it was apparently misspelled. What? But so oops. Oh, that's embarrassing. So then they toast their new life together. And like I said, if she is Howie's girlfriend and he's his chef and they are kissing in public in this airport, put two and two together. They killed him. Yeah, but no one sees it. No one cares about these random people. I guess. I'd be like, aren't you Nikki? (laughs) I feel like she was not a big enough actress for that to happen. I feel like maybe becoming this guest star was like her big break. Like she got with Howie and then just like being on the show was a, like a bonus. Exactly. For her career. So Shannon and Boone show up and Shannon is complaining that there are no chairs. It's always fun to see characters that died. And they have so many this episode and it's so fun. Shannon is a straight up ass in Mm -hmm. this scene. Yeah, I'm not sure I understood her complaint. I also didn't. You're in the, like a 
it's kind of a restaurant area and you're complaining about the chairs, but yeah. you haven't you haven't looked for food or anything? What's <laughs> yeah, happening? So what do you even want? There's just like a lot of violence happening. She here. just likes to complain. Yeah. And so he just is trying to come up with solutions and she's just tearing him down about it. And so they're like, let's just leave because you couldn't get us, you already couldn't get us seats in first first class. So how are you supposed to get us seats here? <laughs> we'll never sit down ever again. <laughs> He's like, sitting is something that I will simply wish for for the rest of my life. <laughs> In pilot part two, she says that the guy who wouldn't give them the seats in first class saved their lives. And if I was Boone, I'd be like, how about me? Yeah, smugness. Yeah. And so then Boone goes up and asks if he can borrow a chair from them. And they say yes, of course, because they're not using it. They just put their bag on it. And then Shannon is yelling at them or at him and is he's like, eh, thanks anyway. He's very sweet Boone. He was too good for this world. He was doing his best for an idiot. <laughs> to be honest, he was just slightly too uninteresting for this world i think yeah he had to go be a vampire there just wasn't enough going on with him yeah yeah he needed another thing yeah um other than the incest thing because no one liked it oh, oh, oh God. Ah. must you remind us yeah. and so she's like boone if you quit flirting with random guys queer boone ladies and gentlemen i am here to talk to you about queer boone i my headcanon is that boone is queer thank you no tables no chairs nothing good call boone do you want me to just grab a chair from the restaurant? No, forget it. Let's just leave. You already screwed us out of seats in first class. Why would you be able to find them here? Hey, can I have this chair, please? Yeah. Be my guest. Boone, let's just go. Thanks, anyway. Boone. I'm coming, Shannon. If you quit flirting with random guys, maybe we could actually get on the plane. Promise me we'll never end up like them. It's usually Shannon who makes gay Boone jokes. And since... And you can... You can take this one of two ways. Okay. One way is she's known him forever. So I'm going to choose that, choose to see that as her like knowing the truth. But there's also the other way of her just like considering that gay jokes are an insult back in 2004. It's that one. Yeah. And so just insulting him. Yeah. But I choose it's to see it the other way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I got to tell you, I have seen straight men and I have seen gay men. Masculinity has nothing to do with that. Yeah. yeah. And in season one, Shannon like makes jokes about like Locke being Boone's boyfriend and all these things. She's just like always making gay Boone jokes. And Get I new material <laughs> i'm just like choosing that to see is her like knowing the truth so nikki and paolo promised to never end up like them and i have bad news for them yeah on lostpedia it said when nikki sees boone and shannon fighting in the airport she says to paolo promise me we won't end up like them both couples end up dead and buried side by side on the island but one gets to come back but one of them gets to come back and oh. the other one stays buried forever the absolute bummer of calling them a couple yeah right <laughs> that was a bummer right there <laughs> nikki's statement about not ending up like them echoes gina's comment to jeff you guys are like who's Gina and Jeff. I, yeah. yeah. Regarding Sun's subservience to Jin in Ex Exodus Part 2, if you guys remember in the season finale of season one, Sun and Jin were in the airport in basically this exact same place. Oh, yeah. And she was, like, helping him and, like, she accidentally spilled something on him or whatever and, like, he yelled at her and then those two, like, random white people were like, ugh, we don't want to end up like them and then Sun, who speaks English, knows what they said and it was sad. So the, the these are also parallels to that. Okay. Oh, I hate Gina and Jeff, yeah. Gina and Jeff, they suck. Hey, guys. Gina Jeff. We do not stand them. And it's it's funny because they also think that they're a couple. Like Nikki and Paolo think that Boone and Shannon are a couple. Yeah. And it's like they're not. I'm like, please wrong. stop like please stop trying to sell me on this incest shit. I'm finished with it. Like I've seen Game of Thrones. I didn't like it then either. Yeah. And so then over the intercom, Captain Stewart needs to pick up the courtesy call. And I was like, Captain Stewart, get to it, my guy. Yeah. Get to it. Okay. So Is I had important? To, well, no. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's a detail that I wanted to bring up because I didn't know what a courtesy call was, so I had to look it up. Okay. 
Is this important? No. No, it's not important. <laughs> so what is These it? Pe- pe- this is my whole life. People listen to this podcast for <laughs> tiny details. What is in my bio, Brittany? Tiny details that no one else cares about, and that is my, that's my thing. Uh-huh. So a courtesy telephone is a telephone located in airport terminals, large train stations, hotel lobbies, and other places where many travelers are expected, which is used to relay messages to a specific person. So they're like, hey, someone's on the phone. (laughs) Not in 2014. (laughs) Aaron, you work at, at... for airline? Yeah. Box? Aaron, you work for airline. Correct. I've never used a courtesy call. <laughs> yeah, because in in the words of me, can't y'all text. Yeah. Exactly. So we get to the crash. Day one, the crash. Wow. The Lost on Location for this episode is almost exclusively about recreating the crash. Okay. And it is awesome. And I found it on YouTube by searching Lost on Location Expose if anyone wants to go check it out and they don't have the DVDs or something. It's pretty cool. So we see Shannon and Jin shouting, Nikki is here now. And basically we're seeing the same crash that we had before, except Nikki and Paolo are here now and ours. And there are so many things in the blooper section of this episode based on like really, really specific stuff in this scene that we saw in the pilot and i respect people who found those but i don't need to bring them up yeah only losties would notice these things yeah um so if you want to look at that you can but it it was just like it was a large list of things that didn't really matter that much unlike courtesy calls (laughs) i hate you so much so Locke tells nikki to watch out and she sees a man lying face down and it's not paolo it's ours and ours asks if he's okay but she doesn't answer she just walks away if i was ours i'd be like uh well hello am i okay looking hello I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't tell her about my spiders. <laughs> I would never talk to you about spiders or trajectories. And so Boone walks up and asks if she has a pen. And that's just iconic, iconic Boone moment from the pilot. It was extremely funny to see this. The way that they recreated the crash was really cool. They mostly used, um, like they sort, they recreated part of the set to do some of the stuff. And then other stuff that they used like dailies that they hadn't aired. Um, so they like went back in their, what's it called? They went back in their like stocks of footage that they had from the pilot. Yeah, archive. And they found footage that they hadn't used yet. And then they just used that, which is really cool. Hey, crime. Hey, there's some crime going on in downtown Vancouver, if you can believe it. So Paolo's just standing there in shock. And she's like, oh my God, look at me. And you think it's like going to be nice. It's going to be like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're alive. And she's like, where's our luggage? Where's, um, where's all the stuff we stole? Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me because it was a carry-on for them. So it's going to be around. So it's going to be around because... The place where they found, where Kate found her case, that was a carry-on for the marshal. So it makes sense that it would be in the same sort of place. Mm-hmm. It's solid logic. It's just like such a heartless thing to think of three seconds after realizing you almost died. Yeah. Yeah. You should be thinking about Arst. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And if he looks okay or not. And I don't think he does. <laughs> yeah, probably not. He's covered in blood. He looks unwell, but that's just kind of how he looks a little bit. So Sawyer, Hurley, and Jin look for Paolo and they find him. And Sawyer is not a tracker, but he's trying his best. And he did it. They find him and he's, they're like, oh no, he's also dead. Saeed would be so proud. It's true. I know. On the commentary, Adam said, one of the things we did in this episode, we seemingly broke one of our rules, which is that you only flashback off of living people. I didn't even know that was a rule, but I guess it makes sense. And then Eddie said, which is still true. And then Adam said, right, in this episode, we seem to break that rule until the end when you realize that they're not really dead. And every time we whoosh off 
these faces of seemingly seeming corpses, one of the things we're hoping to do in some of the audience is to raise the question of what's going on? Are they changing things? But you know, also leaving a little clue for astute viewers. Oh, wow. So Hurley notices that Paolo also has no wounds because I guess he just doesn't see the spider bites. They're just like too small. And Jin says in Korean, what is this friend's clothes like? And I think he's asking why, why is his belt undone? What, where is his shoe, etc. Mm-hmm. And Hurley looks at him and is like, right? He's like, I know, right? He speaks. I'm like, he speaks you, don't, you don't know what he's saying. <laughs> Maybe he does. You don't know. But Hurley really does get what he means. Like the next thing he says is like basically what Jin was saying. I genuinely I think he's picking up Korean. Yeah. Or like at least sort of like I wonder if Jin probably like pointed to him or something. Yeah, yeah. like context. Mm-hmm. So they find his shoe stuck in a tree and his pants undone. And the shoe in the tree is parallel is a parallel to the shoe in the pilot that was hanging from the tree. They're like, maybe he stepped on something. And Sawyer says he doesn't see anything, but he's like starting to put pieces together without telling anybody about it. So then Jin gets the water and Sawyer comes to pour it out and I thought it was kind of sweet because Sawyer stops him so forcefully mm-hmm. because he really cares about Jin. That's his friend Jin. Yeah. So that's why later he's like, are you going to tell Jin? Are you going to tell on me? He's going to be mad at me, but he's my friend. <laughs> I don't want him to be mad. That's my friend Jin. You know what? If I was friends with Jin back in season two when I did that, maybe I wouldn't have done it. And I'm sorry. Mm, fair enough. However, Charlie does say sorry, albeit not Sun's face. Oh yeah, he does not. No. But Sawyer never says sorry, I don't think. Um, I don't think Sawyer's ever sorry for anything he's ever done. He's like, yeah, it worked out. All I got was a slap. It's all good. Exactly. <laughs> so Hurley's like, oh my God, that's evidence. And Sawyer makes fun of him for like pretending to be a detective. And he's like, is there a forensics hatch? And I'm like, if yes, where is that? I, I'm interested. That sounds interesting. And then Jin thinks it could have been the monster. Ah. And Hurley I, I think runs with that. that's a solid guess. Well, even like later when we finally see what happened and everything, when, but right before like all of the spiders show up, you can hear the monster sound. That's what I was going to point out. Yeah. So it's definitely partially that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did not notice that until my most recent watch, actually. Mm -hmm. I genuinely, when we were watching it, of course, I forget everything. So I thought that the monster had like killed Nikki as punishment Mm. in the same vein. Yeah. I mean, I think partially that's probably a little bit it. Like, you know. They went and gathered all the Medusa spiders. Mm -hmm. Like ours is like, oh, the pheromones and everything. And I'm like, it was out for like 2.3 seconds before it died. And how many Medusa spiders can be on this island? Right. That's true. True, right. Ars is like, I only found this one. He's just really unobservant. Smoke monster's just picking them all up. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, the smoke monster is like, you can't have all of them. Please, these are my pets. Mm-hmm. So 75 days ago, they're looking through their luggage at night, and Paolo thinks that the monster that is like moving all the trees and everything is a dinosaur. And that's a parallel because so did Hurley back at the beginning of season one there. I mean, everyone here has clearly seen Jurassic Park. And he's like, it's not Jurassic Park, it's the South Pacific. But that's a joke because this is the same place that Jurassic Park was shot. Exactly. Ah. Do you have anything to add, Brittany, due to this being your favorite film? I don't have anything to add because he's just right. Yeah. It's quite literally the same valley where they shot it. Yeah. So it's day six and people are going to come soon. So we have to find our stuff because if we say, oh, I'm looking for my script bag, it's a really bad excuse to not get rescued and just stay on this deserted island. (laughs) So we kind of have to find it or else it's just lost forever. And we killed a man for nothing, but it doesn't seem like they really care about that part. Yeah. I don't think they care so much about the murder. Yeah. Poor Howie. Poor Howie. Who was cheating on his wife? Question mark. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe no one's great. Listen, he didn't deserve to die, but like... That's true. I think his wife would have shown up the next day anyway. Yeah, who found him? Oh, yeah. Oh. Because they're like, he was found here. But I was like, but by who? Ew. So Ethan shows up because he also lost his luggage and Ethan... <laughs> Classic Ethan. 
classic Ethan, not knowing where his stuff is because he didn't actually have luggage. Because he wasn't actually on the plane. And Ethan is always creepy, but he's extra creepy because it's nighttime. It's true. And he's wearing a Wisconsin shirt, but he's from Ontario. That's what he says he is. He says he's from Ontario. Yes. That's not too far. On Lostpedia, it said that Ethan appeared wearing a sweatshirt from the University of Wisconsin, and Eddie and Adam met each other at the University of Wisconsin. So that was a little reference to them. Okay. And he said, I've lost my luggage, otherwise I wouldn't be wearing this. Mm. I just found this. And let me know if you need clothes, because I'll help you find some. So they have their little introductions. They're like, oh my god, thanks, Ethan. But we're actually looking for Paolo's nicotine gum. He's struggling. (laughs) Sounds, that sounds real to me. Yeah. And so Ethan says to look inland, because we were over the island when we split, so maybe you should check there. And there is a, I, I think that now we can say that it was purposeful, potentially. But instead of saying we were over the island when we split, he says maybe, he maybe says we were over the islands. And it really does sound like he says that. And now that we know that there are actually two islands, oh. it's kind of fun to think about it that Yeah. Way. Wow. So Arst runs in and is yelling about how Boone took the water. And this was a subplot in episode 105, White Rabbit, um, because Boone wanted to take responsibility of rationing the water. And then Jack does his live together, die alone speech. And it's basically just fun to see them in places that we've already seen, you know, to like really hone in on the fact that they have been here the whole time. Yeah, they've really witnessed all this history, which is like kind of fun for the viewer because you're like taking a trip down memory lane quite literally. When does the lost video game take place? Uh, The lost video game of uh, Via Domus? Yeah. Um, it takes place in between season two and season... No, it ends with the big flash at the end of season two. So it happens during season two concurrently. I don't think you can go in the hatch, but I'm pretty sure you can go in like the staff. Yeah, you can go in somewhere. And see like what what um like Kate and Rousseau and Claire see when they go in the staff in like maternity leave. Huh, interesting. But that video game uh, was too scary for me. (laughs) Oh, you didn't like running from the monster? That was my problem is that I was like, you know, when I'm watching everyone else do it, I'm like, haha, run. But then when I have to do it, I'm like, this is, (laughs) and it was hard because you have to like hide in the banyan trees until you don't hear them anymore. But you're, but you always hear them. Oh, I see. You had too good of a sound system and they had poor sound design. So it's like, how, how am I supposed to know when to go? Yeah. I also liked how Locke kind of sounded like a like a farmer just out in the country. Yeah. It's like they brought in some people to play their actual characters and other people you're like, ugh, who's that? Yeah, I imagine they just like invited everybody and then yeah. only like a couple people showed up and you're like, oh, I mm-hmm. should not have come to this. Yeah, it's like Ben and like Sun are like really, really accurate and then Sawyer's like, howdy! <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, I'm a redneck, right? That's that's basically the only direction they gave to the voice actor for <laughs> Sawyer. The guy who played Sawyer hadn't seen the the show. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, uh, yeah, we got Ben and Son. They're all coming over, mm-hmm. and then you show up, and none of your actual friends are there. Yeah, and you're like, I need to leave. Should not have showed up to this video game. Yeah. So Hurley agrees with Jin, says that, yes, it was definitely the monster. And so they're they're bringing Paolo's body back to the beach. And they're like, Echo got killed by the monster. And he said, you're next. And Nikki and Paolo were there when they said that. So see, they're next. And Sawyer's like, I'm pretty sure it's like all of us are next. And Hurley's like, that makes me feel worse. I don't want to hear that at all. You can't blame them, man. And so they're like, okay, if we want to know what happened, we need to learn more about them because Hurley knows how to solve a mystery. And then Sawyer calls them jabronis and Jin doesn't know what that is. So Sawyer refers to Nikki and Paolo as jabronis, which is a term for a wrestler who is booked to regularly lose on shows. This is quite similar to being a red shirt. um, Oh! Which is what they are. Okay. 
Yeah. They are red shirts. Yeah. And then Solar calls them Nina and Pablo. Cause he's so funny. Well, he can't do nicknames right now. So he's like, I will just pretend to not know their name so that it's like I did a nickname. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just going to confidently get it wrong. Yeah. And so Hurley says to respect them because in Trisha Tanaka is dead. He's like very like respect the dead. And so he goes, whatever Hugo, cause he can't do nicknames. And so they're like, okay, let's find their tent and get some shovels to bury them. This is our to-do list for the day. You know what? Kind of a bummer of a day. Yeah. I would be honest. Mm-hmm. So then we're at 57 days ago. Nikki goes to see Arst and she calls him Dr. Arst because she's trying to butter him up. <laughs> it works. And she's like, oh my God, are you a scientist? And he's like, yes, and an educator. Instead of being like, <laughs> wow. wow. An and he says that he's discovered 20 new species. On Lostpedia, it said, Arst refers to himself as the next Charles Darwin. Darwin was a famous naturalist and writer of the seminal work on evolution. Ironically, the Darwin Award is a fake award given to people who kill themselves or otherwise remove themselves from the human gene pool in humorous ways, similarly to how Arst blows himself up. Yeah, it fits, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And maybe Nikki and Paolo. Yeah, that's also true. Hey, Dr. Arts. Hi. You're a scientist, right? And, And an educator, yes. What are you doing with all this stuff? Oh, um, well, since we've got here, I've discovered 20 new species. I'm going to be the next Charles Darwin. Uh, I, um, that is uh, Latrodactus regina. Very dangerous. They call her the Medusa spider. Her pheromones are very strong. One whiff and every male of the species would be here in seconds. Not unlike you, I guess. So he says the Medusa spider is the Letrodectus regina and her pheromones would call a lot of male spiders. And I'm like, so when you found her, were you like, God, there sure are a lot of spiders here. Yeah, like, what made you say, mm, I'd like to touch this? Yeah. And she's like, haha, just like you. And he's like, she's like, oh my god, Leslie, stop. <laughs> Wait, so is the Medusa spider a new spider? That's my question. I wonder, because it's like, did he just find that one and know things about it already? Or did he make that, or did he, like, learn that? Because it Google feels it. like... Yeah, he must know that already. I have information on the Medusa spider, and it's that they made it up. Okay, so then you could, you could theoretically argue that it's a Dharma invention. I guess, but the way he talks about it is as if it was already a thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Or he just did experiments and stuff. Yeah. It's like how... He's a scientist and an educator. Yeah. <laughs> how many experiments can you do when you, like, don't have any paper and you don't have any, like, you know, like... Subjects? How, how serious will, like when he gets back, hypothetically, when he gets back to the real world after they get rescued, they go, what happened, Arst? And he's like, I discovered 20 new species. And they all are like, you weren't able to look any of these up. You just used your memory. (laughs) All of these are a thing. (laughs) None of these are in my junior high textbooks. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. They're like, dude, this is the Medusa spider. I'm just imagining Arst like accidentally stepped on like, one in the wild and then all the spiders came for him and he was just laying there for eight hours. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and he just got up and he's right. like, oh, okay, that's what it does. And if he was still alive at this point, he could have saved Nikki and Paolo and been like, oh, they must have been bitten by the Medusa spider, but unfortunately, he's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's happened. Unfortunately, he did blow up. He did blow up. He did blow yeah. up. Yeah. Very unfortunate. So she's like, oh my god, are you too busy to help me? And he's like, oh, uh, no, sure, I can help you. And this is kind of what happened to Charlie at the beginning of season one with Shannon, where Shannon was like, can you help me catch a fish and then when charlie finally got her a fish then she was just trying to like stick it to boone mm-hmm. pretty lady make brain 
go burr. Yeah. And she's like, will you help me with trajectories to find my luggage? And then Paolo's like watching and can totally see that she's just being manipulative, which she does. Yeah. Because that's kind of what she was doing with Howie. And she's good at it. Yeah. So. So she and Paolo are walking around with the map and he's like, should we be listening to a high school science teacher? And she's like, uh, he's well, a middle school science teacher. As opposed to a fake chef. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, where are your credentials, dummy? That's what I'm saying. Is he really the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil or no? Exactly. Uh, but I love this one where he's like, should we listen to him? He's only a high school science teacher. And she's like, how dare you? He actually has less credentials than that. <laughs> <laughs> Junior high. Yeah. And she calls him Leslie because they're on a first name basis, you see. Wow. And she's like, oh, are you jealous of him? And he's like, of him? No, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. Thank mm-hmm. you. She's like, yeah, I'm so obsessed with spiders. Uh, I slept with him to get this map. And he's like, well, you slept with Zuckerman, so that wouldn't surprise me. And she's like, okay. Ooh, shut down. Listen, I am on Paolo's side almost this entire episode, but that was a low blow. And Wasn't that? It was a low blow. There's the point of the plan. But she sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she's like, I did that for us. And I'm like, yeah, so... Not great, not great. However, if I was the guy who played Howie Zuckerman, I'd be like, listen, I'm not that bad. I, I'm I'm pretty good looking for an old guy, <laughs> you know? I'd be like, like stop I, I, take, I take offense to that. Stop slamming me. So he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I just don't trust Arst. Who I do oh. trust is Ethan, which is who we should really go to. Yeah, let's definitely go to Ethan. Yeah. So they go and they see Yemi's plane and Nikki says to go up there and Paolo's like, no, I'll die. Which of course, when Boone goes up there, he dies. So it was probably the right call. Yeah, it was the right call. And Nikki's like, no, it's fine. You won't die. And he's like, do you want me to die? And she's like, ugh, whatever. (laughs) So then they find the pearl and this is great. I just, I love the reveal that they found the pearl first and before anyone went down there, they were the ones who found it. And they, they found everything. And they never said anything? Like, they nope. didn't say anything about the plane. They didn't say anything about the pearl. Like, They're hilariously selfish. <laughs> and I feel like Paolo probably, like, felt drawn to the pearl somehow. And that's probably why he hid the diamonds there, too. Oh, that makes sense. And Paolo wants to go down, but Nikki refuses. And she's like, oh, cool. So you're telling me that our bag fell, opened this door, and went inside here. I don't, I don't think that's true. And we're looking for our bag. So who cares? They're both being pretty hypocritical here, to be honest. Absolutely. They are. And he was making fun of a middle school uh, science teacher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, so you don't want to climb up there, but you do want to climb down here. Like I'm not going to No. On Lostpedia, it said Nikki unintentionally makes light of lock when she tells Paolo, you don't want to climb up to a plane, but now you want to climb down a ladder into a dark tunnel. I don't think so. Yeah. She kind of makes fun of lock because lock couldn't climb up the plane. He probably would have if he had the opportunity to, but his legs weren't working at the time. Yeah, he. T- he I think he would have. But he was totally down to go down into this tunnel. Um, it also tunnel said, seems safer. Yeah. The writers originally intended to have more gags. So, for example, one gag would have been Nikki and Paolo finding Shannon's asthma inhaler and then just, like, throwing it away. And another was to have them meeting Locke and Boone by the lake with shovels because they were excavating the hatch and then they both just carry on with their business because they're both like doing secret things yeah like can you imagine them having like a standoff where they're all standing there and they have a map and they have shovels and they're like anyway bye good seeing you (laughs) (laughs) i think adding some of those might have actually helped the reception to the episode i think so too they'd explain how like why shannon's inhaler was gone and everything yeah explain more it would have like filled some plot holes Mm -hmm. yeah but it also probably would have like made it seem more and more parody yeah 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 i can't tell if people would like that or not at that time right or be like why are you making fun of us (laughs) i'm like come on the way that she says i don't think so always reminds me of the way elastigirl says it at the beginning of the incredibles Mm -hmm. oh so our carry-on bag fell from the sky opened a manhole crawled inside and closed the doors behind itself 
You don't want to climb up to a plane, but yeah. now you want to climb down a ladder into a dark tunnel. I don't think so. Um, and then she just leaves, she just walks away. She's having a hard day, but also I don't feel bad for her because she's evil. Yeah. I tried to look for an redeeming quality in her. Did not find it. Mm -hmm. So Sawyer looks through their tent and Charlie says that Sun checked the food and it's not the food. So is there like some sort of virus? And I'm like, we don't need to be talking about viruses right now. I know that this is 2007, but stop. But like, shut up, please. You're cursing it. Hurley still thinks it's the monster and they notice the bugs and they're like, did they collect bugs? And Charlie recognizes that the bugs are ours before he exploded. So... It's interesting that Charlie knew that. He's all little art. And they were like, oh, so they must have been friends with him. Then Charlie finds the script book and Sawyer doesn't know about expose, but he watches Little House on the Prairie. Come on, Sawyer. <laughs> and Hurley's so like- so funny. Hurley's like, I love this show. It's Baywatch only better. I mean- And I'm like, you're really selling it, guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the main characters are Autumn and Crystal, who are two strippers that solve crimes with the help of, help of the club owner, Mr. Lashad. And I just, I think that Sawyer should actually be interested in this. <laughs> That's the most early 2000s show mm -hmm. I have ever heard. That really uh, put the whole thing into place for me. So those mm -hmm. two, the two strippers that come in afterwards yeah. are Autumn and Crystal, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're the main characters. But Corvette, I guess, is better than, at solving crime. Yeah, so, must be. Unfortunate that she died. Right, and and that's crazy because now the audience knows that Mr. Lashad is the Cobra, but the two main characters who are the crime-fighting people don't know. Yeah, not great detective. So I'm like, how, how do we move on from here in season five? They need to write more expose. Yes. Make it a real show. Well, didn't I? I it would not sell. I think I read that they actually wrote almost 10 episodes of Expose. I think they did. Which is insane. What? Yeah. And why, like, imagine, they must have a lot of time on their hands. Honestly, the way that they talked about it in the commentary was kind of like they had written Expose first and they were like, can we put Expose in this episode? And Damon was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, the original idea was that they were going to not explain that it was a show. Yeah. And it was going to be like, just everybody would be extra confused. <laughs> They're like, Lost is a confusing show. And they'd be like, let's make it worse. No, not the orphanage money. Exactly. That's a, that's that's what's so fun is that like, you can tell that it's such an early 2000s show because she's like, ah, that's the money for the orphanage. It's so good. Yeah. You cannot take money from orphans. Yeah. That's that's a huge no-no. Well, not Mr. with that shot. <laughs> so he looks at the cast list and he sees that Nikki was on the show. So he's like, oh, this must have been her big break. So he doesn't recognize her as an actress. And he's like, oh my God, Mr. Lashad was the Cobra. Do you guys think that the episode that she was in aired while she was on the island? Oh my God, it totally did. Like, oh. do, was Hurley, did he just miss the episode? Or was Hurley one of the first people to know that Mr. Lashad was the Cobra before it aired? I think he probably knew before it aired because like, this is only a couple, well, they used yeah. to shoot things and air them really close back to back. He probably found out after. Yeah. It's probably after. Still though, that's really funny. What was the cadence of working, of them writing Lost? So basically uh, they would, I don't know exactly how long the time was in between them writing the episode and them shooting the episode, but basically like they would get their episodes and they had two different episodes kind of working at the same time. So like Jack Bender and Stephen Williams were the two main directors. And so on one side of the island, they would have half the cast shooting one episode and on the other, they would have like Stephen Williams doing another episode. And so it was it was happening really, really fast like that. There's a bonus feature on one of the d DVDs 
movies of like a day in the life of one of the people who like took the film from the sets to the the like airport to be sent to LA for it to be edited and stuff like that and this is where I, that's where I'm like remembering all this information from but it was basically like they always had two sort of teams working concurrently to get it out really really fast and of course this is early early 2000s so they're still working on film cameras Lost was done uh, exclusively on film cameras so they needed to fly out the film from Hawaii to LA every single day wow. I rem- like I remember when I was watching CSI back in the day mm-hmm. they as they got later and later in the season the turnaround time would shrink mm-hmm. until I remember one time listening to some of the writers talk about that one time it was two weeks yeah like from writing to production to airing was two weeks yeah and i was like that's inhuman i hope we don't do it that way anymore everyone needs to be paid massive dollars <laughs> that's why the writers all went on strike and they're like um <laughs> that is not fair mm, this is inhumane by the way uh shout out to csi yeah <laughs> which was big at the time and i think they were kind of playing off it it's probably partially yeah 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 they totally so were too back csi when... was like my jam back in the day mm-hmm. gil grissom just tearing up the screen yeah <laughs> That was my man. I actually, uh, yeah, I was looking it up. And then I just found that there's an, like... Yeah. He's coming back? Yeah, they decided to make... So the original CSI was CSI Las Vegas. And then they had, like, a billion spinoffs. And then they took my least favorite character, Sarah Seidel, and Grissom, and they made CSI Vegas, which is a new show launching, like, next week. Which is not CSI Las Vegas. It's not CSI Las Vegas. It's CSI Vegas. And it's just the same show twice. Mm. I don't understand it. Oh, <laughs> everyone yeah. loves Everyone loves a, what's it called? When it's just like a police show or a crime show. Procedural. Or a, a procedural. Everyone loves a procedural. A procedural. I was just like, I hated that ship, their ship, their relationship mm. so much that um, I will not watch it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah, it started with CSI Crime Scene Investigation. That was set in Las Vegas. Yeah. And there was CSI Miami, CSI New York, and now there's CSI Vegas. Okay. And there was also Great. a CSI Cyber somewhere in there. Oh, mm. that sounds embarrassing for everyone involved. <laughs> It was. Patricia Arquette was in it. It was not good. And a lot of shows like that were still happening around the time that, that Lost was airing. And so it was like specifically procedurals that like you only really needed to know the characters. You didn't need to know. Like there wasn't, there was an overarching arc, but you didn't need to really know it or pay attention to yep. watch an episode. You know, it was made specifically for dads who were sitting on their couch, eating their TV dinner and saying, I need something to watch. I'll just put on this. It doesn't matter that I haven't seen the episode two episodes before it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why Lost was so like important because it was like the first one where it's like, no, you have to watch these in order or you don't know what's going on. And also know? there's 24 a season. Yeah, yeah. So pay attention. I was thinking also like if Nikki's episode aired, like the season four finale aired while they were on the island, I, I bet the episode ends with them fading to black and saying in memory of Howard Zuckerman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And then that fades out. And then another one fades back in, in memory of Nikki Fernandez. Because she died (laughs) in a plane crash three days later. And you're like, you're like, those two are not at all related, by the way. Yeah. By the way, that has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Also his private chef. (laughs) Yeah. Also his private chef. RIP to his private chef. Oh no! Wolfgang Puck sends a specific sends a message himself. Wolfgang Puck sends a like a cameo to Paolo's family. It's like I heard that he was a fan. I just see like in memoriam section of like yeah the Oscars or something. Yeah, the Emmys. Brazilian Tom Cruise. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh wait, that's the actor. That's Never the mind. actor. Oh, oh, let's. I won't go there. Brittany, you had thoughts on the actor while we were watching yesterday. <laughs> My thoughts were that he got so much hotter, <laughs> like ten years from when Lost aired, because he was on Westworld. Westworld. I guess it's fifteen. Oh, yeah, he's that's that guy. Him. Yeah. Wow. He's way more attractive than Westworld. I do want to say he's still very attractive in Lost. Yeah, that he's got a baby face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But who who doesn't mature well with age, you know? It's so... Me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, he is... What, this is like, what, 15 years later? How many? When did Westworld... Uh... Air. Like 2018? Yeah, so that would have been 11 years. Oh my god. Classic. That's crazy. And he was in love, actually. Yeah, he was. So Hurley's like, it, the the history, the, the mystery of Lashad and the Cobra has been a thing for four seasons. And of course, four is one of the numbers. And then they find the walkie-talkie and they're like, oh, that's weird. And Sawyer's like, the others had these, so that means that they were working with the others. That's quite a jump to make. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I get it, because if you've only seen walkie-talkies in one place, this whole time. Yeah. It just happens to not be true. Fair enough. So then we move on to 48 days ago and Shannon and Arst are yelling at Kate and Kate's like, well, we thought it would be best to not tell anybody about guns. And Arst says that only his mother knows what's best for him. And that's the only person. And you're not my mom. I'm like, we're really just saying things out loud. There's a lot of psychological (laughs) exploration happening here. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine being like, I'm a grown man and I'm going to say out loud to all of these people, the only person who knows what's best for me is my mom. That's only okay when my mommy says it. I think this is the deepest that we go into our situation. Yeah, except there is, there are these webisodes at the end of season three that I'm excited to cover after we finish this season called The Missing Pieces. And there is a webisode that's like three minutes long and it's all about Arst and why he was in, uh, why he was in Australia. Yeah. Wow, I'm a fake fan. <laughs> I need to watch that. Maybe I can find it on YouTube. I'll send it to you. Fake oh, fan. please. And so Nikki walks up and she asks what's going on. And Shannon mentions Kate and her two boyfriends, which is fair. Yeah. It's fair. Um, They found a case of guns, but they didn't tell anyone. And Kate's like, it's locked. Jack has the key. It's fine. And ours says the pigs are walking, which is an animal farm reference. Oh. So Arst's exclamation that the pigs are walking is a reference to the last scene of George Orwell's Animal Farm in which the pigs are standing, which is a metaphor for the downtrodden becoming like their oppressors. It is a book commonly read in high school, even though he's a junior high teacher. All right. (laughs) He knows things about Animal Farm. And then Nikki asks where the case was found so that she can go get it to. And so they go to the waterfall. Aaron! The waterfall! We went to this waterfall! You did! Tell the story, tell the story. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I remember I got some trivia right. Yes! Yes, okay. So the tour operator had a great piece of trivia, and this one I actually knew. I don't want to disrespect Robin, (laughs) but... I do believe I knew this one first. Yes, I I had two thirds of it prepared, two thirds of it, and you you came in with the the third third, and I appreciate that. Oh right, I I probably wouldn't have gotten the first two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you t- you tell the trivia. I can't remember sure. exactly. Yeah, so basically the guy was like, this waterfall. The guy was like, we can either go to this waterfall or we can go to the beach where their like camp was. And I had really married myself to going to this waterfall. And so looking back on it, to be honest, I wish 
that we had gone to the beach instead because when we got to the waterfall, Aaron, your family was already there yeah. because they had gone as like tourists to go to this thing. And I'm like, I cannot believe that I passed up going to the beach camp when I could have just gone to the waterfall myself. Yeah, we probably would have ended up at the waterfall anyway. Anyway, yes. And so it kills me inside and I still think about it. Gotta go back. Either way, we, we go. We have to go back. <laughs> we have to go. So we go to this waterfall and the trivia that this guy, he's been spouting trivia, asking me questions all day. I bet he hated me. I he thought I was so annoying because <laughs> he kept being like, do you recognize this? And I'd be like, yes. And I would give him exact <laughs> episode numbers. I was very annoying. I don't think he cared for me. But we got to this waterfall and he was like, they have been to this waterfall three times in the series. Can you name the three times that they went? So one of these times happens in season five. So we can't talk about that then. But I remember the season five one and in season one, whatever the case may be, Sawyer and Kate are at this waterfall. And I couldn't, for the life of me, remember the third time. Okay. So then Aaron said, excusez-moi, as an expose stan, I do believe it happened. Expose. <laughs> I do believe it happened in expose. And the guy was like, you're right. And I was like, there it is. Boom. It's been done. It's one of my top accomplishments. <laughs> Who do you think you're on this tour with, sir? We're going to get every single one of these right. I bet he doesn't even have a podcast. <laughs> he probably doesn't. <laughs> what a dork. What a dork. <laughs> For not having a podcast? Lame. So Paolo doesn't want to dive into the water and it looks nice here, but when we went there, it looked pretty dirty, to be honest. Oh yeah, I was thinking. I went in there anyway, but... I was thinking it was pretty dirty. Paolo has a very good reason for not going yeah. in there. And he's like, why should I go in there? Because there, I mean, there were dead bodies under there and he kind of knows that and that's gross. And she's like, well, you brought it up. If I have to, had to sleep with Zuckerman, it's your turn to do something. And he's like, would we still be together if you didn't need me to find this bag? My heart breaks for him. My heart breaks for he him. He just wants her. So much. He doesn't really care about the money. And she doesn't answer. She's just like, just go. I'm like, this is, excuse me, this is very sad. Yeah. Because the bag is worth $8 million. And of course, eight is also one of the numbers. And so she's like, just do it. And I'm like, what if he had refused? You know, if she wants it so bad, you do it. Like, Paolo doesn't even want to find the diamonds. Exactly. Anymore. He doesn't care. And so, you know, and then he ends up lying to her. So it's like, if you had just done it yourself, you'll only know the truth if you go down there yourself. So you should have just done it yourself. Yep. So he finds it, but he lies about it. And he's like, there's only dead bodies down there, which is horrifying. Not only do I never, I, I, not only am I afraid of seeing dead bodies, but like bloated, waterlogged dead bodies like that. No, thank you. That sounds like a, nightmare. Yep. I would, I would simply cry. Mm -hmm. I would simply cry. So Nikki walks away and he goes down to get it, but I don't really understand why she leaves. She just leaves him there. You know, like ultimately she just leaves him there because he goes down to get it. Oh yeah. So she straight up just walks through the jungle without well, it. Well, she's a deeply impatient person, right? Yeah, so it's true. like, so Sawyer thinks back in the present, Sawyer thinks that they were working with the others like Michael was. And Charlie's like, well, the others must have killed them then, but we don't know why. And Sawyer's like, I don't care why, because that means the others are like around trying to kill us now. And Hurley's like, that's confusing because we know that they're like straight up on the other side of the island. Mm -hmm. And so Sun brings up when she was dragged into the jungle and how she almost died. And then we get that like little awkward look between Charlie and Sawyer. And Sawyer just changes the subject. <laughs> He's like, anyway. Anyway. And Hurley's like in Sherlock mode and he'd be like, why are you look so suspicious? And Sawyer's like, I'm just gonna go look around and just brings out this inexplicable gun that no one else knew about. And he's like, I got it off one of the others. And they're like, when were you gonna tell us? And Sawyer goes, I guess now. Valid. Awkward. 
You should know this about him. And Harley says he doesn't know what a perimeter sweep is. And then Charlie wants to cover up the bodies. And that's that scene. Charlie, always the empathetic one. Close their eyes, please. Yeah, exactly. I know, it takes him so long to close their eyes. Oh. So now we're at 32 days ago. Wait, how many days were we when they went to the waterfall? 48 days ago. So how long did Paolo just have the, the bag before? Like over 10 days, he had the bag out before he buried it. He like had it shoved down the front of his pants. Yeah, yeah just the whole bag. Yeah. <laughs> so Paolo's looking through the bag and he finds his gum and his nesting doll. And he just, he, he pops two pieces of the gum. I'm like, my guy, rationing. Oh yeah. Rationing, please. You're, all, you're not gonna get more. You're gonna have to go through like withdrawals all over again now. Cause it's been like 50 days. Yeah. So he goes to bury it, but Locke shows up and Locke is like, hey, you can have a secret, but if you put the secret here, you're screwed. Basically. <laughs> Every man's entitled to his secrets, Paolo, but can I give you a piece of advice? Please, John. You should put the shovel away and save yourself some trouble. Why is that? Things don't stay buried on this island. The beach is eroding. Winter's coming, high tide. Whatever it is you're hiding, Make sure you pick a spot that won't wash away. See you back at camp. I love that. Yeah. And Locke doesn't even question it. He's mm-hmm. just like, you're on your own little journey on this island. Like I we all that. are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, whatever you're going to bury here is going to, lo- to wash away. On Lastpedia, it said... On day 49, when Locke says to Paolo, winter is coming high tide. However, winter would not be coming in November in the South Pacific. It's unknown whether Locke didn't know what he was talking about or if it was merely an oversight by the writers. It's uh, it's oversight by the writers. Yeah. But I would not put it past Locke, you know? I feel like Locke would know. All right. Yeah. And imagine if he had buried it there and it got washed away and Nikki like killed him for nothing. <gasps> that would be wild. Like she didn't even find the diamonds. That'd <laughs> <Yeah>. be ridiculous. <laughs> That is deeply stupid. Yeah. So then Paolo finally gets to go down to the Pearl like he's been waiting to and he hides the doll in the toilet tank. One of my favorite things about this scene was just him like casually chewing gum while he's doing this. Like I'm just so used to not like nobody chewing gum because no one has gum on this island. So it's funny to just see him like just casually chewing gum in this scene. So then Ben and Juliet show up and Ben is mad that the hatch was open and they don't think that's suspicious. And Juliet says <laughs> that, that Tom Friendly was here so he must have done it. And they're like, oh, classic Tom. That Tom. Always that guy. So let's just have him cover it up with the plane, which explains the way that Locke and Echo find it later in question mark. So they're watching the monitor of the swan, which the um, footage of Jack on there is archive footage. It's not something that we've ever seen before. It was oh. just stuff that they had shot before. I was wondering like which part, I, like we were watching and I kept asking her, okay, so is this, wait, is this new footage? Mm-hmm. Is this new footage? Yeah. Is this new footage? Uh, it's not newly shot footage, but it's new footage to us. It's new to us. Yeah. Um, and Juliet's like, oh my God, is that him? And I'm like, yes, your love interest, sort of. Yeah. And she says, oh, he's cute. And I'm like, well, good news. He likes you too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they used footage from 209, which is what Kate did for this. And I, she's like, I don't think he'll ever agree to do your surgery. And Ben's like, I know that I can get him to agree because he's just going to figure out what's important to him and exploit it. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that you know what you're about mm-hmm. and that you're willing to say those things out loud, you know? Yeah, he just straight up says to Juliet what he's doing to Juliet. <laughs> right, right, right. He's just willing to say it out loud to the person he's doing it to. And she just looks at him and is like, yeah. Guess it works. But there's nothing she can do about it though, right? She, she, even if she fully understands that she's being exploited, she's like, yeah, but what 
like, what can I do when he has power over the thing that I care about? Yeah, I guess his other point of his plan is bring them on this island that they can't get off of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, okay, so do we just grab Jack Sawyer and Kate? And he's like, no, we have to get them to come to us. We'll use Michael. So on Lastpedia, it said on day 49, Paolo overheard Ben saying that he would use Michael to lure Jack, Kate, and Sawyer to him. Michael first made contact with Walt on the Swan computer on day 49. So this one's really cool because he said that before they even had clinched Michael, they took Walt at the end of season one. Then Ben says, we're going to use Michael for this. And then that night they talked to Michael on the Swan computer as Walt. So Ben is 100% sure that he can use Michael before he's even spoken to Michael as Walt. Oh. Wow. They do that that night. That was intricately done. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. However, I do have to say, Paolo knew that Michael was a spy and didn't say anything. Like, even though Michael hadn't been approached yet, (gasps) are you not going to be like, hey, Michael, probably be careful. It seems like the others are going to use you. (gasps) Uh, I think that tracks. (laughs) That's hilarious. He just didn't even care. Like, so many things that they should have spoken up about that they just didn't speak up about. So Juliet wants to leave because she doesn't like the vibes here, I guess. But my headcanon is that she feels like she's being watched here. Um, and it's because Paolo's actually secretly watching her. Yeah. But she's like, I hate feeling like I'm being watched in this place where I watch people. <laughs> <laughs> And so they shut off the monitor and they shut off the lights. And then Paolo, I guess they left their walkie, which doesn't really seem like something that, that Ben or Juliet would do, but apparently they did. And they just leave it on the table. Maybe it is just like the Pearl walkie and it just stays in there. I don't know. That would make sense. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, where's our walkie? Exactly. Because <laughs> it's not there when like Echo and Locke get down there. So Hurley goes to Desmond and asks him to use his psychic powers to figure out what's going on. Um, and Desmond had already heard about it and is like, I can't really do that. I really only see flashes. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And Hurley says, hey, no offense, but your powers suck. <laughs> and Desmond's like, how do I not take offense to that? That's so rude. <laughs> and I'm like, and also me as a viewer, I'm like, no, they don't. Do you have superpowers? Um, Sir? You know what? Good point. He's like, as far as superpowers go, yours are lame. And I'm like, I mean, as far as superpowers go, you could have one that just like, you know, occasionally makes it so that, I don't know. I was gonna like, think who are you to critique superpowers? Yeah. It's like, wow, he does have a superpower. It's like, there's a superpower that like, let's say that your superpower is that you never lose your keys. That's great, but it's a pretty lame superpower. Yeah, that's super not great. Compared to seeing the future, but go off, Hurley. Isn't that like the entire point of the show Misfits? Where it's like some of them have have dope powers and some of them are just like, I can make milk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, all all animals can make milk, question mark? (laughs) Exactly. Also, shout out to Sky High. Yes, exactly. Sky High, always. Sky High is one of the best Disney Channel original movies. Here we go. Time for Robin's No, no, that's enough. It just is. (laughs) Listen, I don't want to be called out like another courtesy phone call thing. Okay. I just think Sky High is great. So Desmond's like, okay, well, since you told me that I was lame, I need to be helpful in some way. So I I saw her talking to Sawyer, which is weird because she said, because he said that he didn't know her, but she was yelling at him right before she died. And so Hurley's like, aha, a clue. Uh He goes forward. So then we move back up to Boone Hill where they're shoveling away some dirt, digging their grave. Love that it's called Boone Hill. That's what it's called. I know. I don't think it's called that in canon, but that's what the writers called it. Okay. Uh, Like, I don't think they ever say that but that's what it's called. And then, so they've put a blanket over top of their bodies and then Vincent comes and pulls the blanket away that was covering them. And Hurley's like, oh my God, because I guess he also doesn't respect the dead, but it's because he's trying to signal to them that they're not dead. Vincent's the only one who knows that they're not dead. Vincent's like, hey, why do you have these uh, alive people covered up? (laughs) Yeah, seems weird. And Herlock's got all these like Sherlock things going on, but he doesn't put that together. Did you just say Herlock? Did I? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Hurley has all of these. No, 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 I'm I'm sticking to that actually. Herlock, that's his name now. Okay. That's his name in this episode. 
have done. He thinks that Sawyer must have done something to, like, have something to gain in, like, helping them figure this out. And Sun's like, well, Sawyer isn't a murderer. Like, he went across the island to help Michael. So he's, like, actually kind of a nice guy. My, my, my husband is friends with him. Yeah. And so in the commentary, Adam said, Sun's adamant defense of Sawyer is what really twists the guilt in Charlie and makes him confess to her. And Eddie says, what's great also is that Charlie's digging a grave. He's just been told by Desmond, you're going to die. He's basically trying to clear his conscience before he goes. And I love that digging a grave for someone else, wondering if it could be himself and he's coming clean. He's confessing. You know, these writers, they think about it. Yep, they do. So Hurley's like, well, whatever. I'll just get Desmond to tell you. And so he walks off so that Charlie has an opportunity to talk to Sun mm-hmm. alone. And so Charlie confesses that he was the one who attacked Sun and basically tries to explain, says it was he and Sawyer who did it. And she walks off tearfully and he says sorry after she's walked off. That probably would have been a good thing to say when she was still here. Why did they choose now to do this reveal? Charlie needed to clear his conscience before he died. Okay. So it had to happen sometime. Fair enough. And, um, you know, they also needed one thing to move forward in the main plot. Yeah, they, had, they were like, we have to have one relevant thing happen. Yeah, so I also think they're trying to redeem him for that before he dies. Because honestly, it was one of the worst things that he has ever done. And it's it's working. Like he needed to apologize for yeah. that. And it's important that he did. So then we get to nine days ago and Locke asks if anyone wants to go to the Pearl. And Nikki says, yes. And she's like, oh my God, Paolo, you always whine about not being included, but he doesn't want Nikki to find the diamond. So he doesn't want to go. What are the odds? So a lot of this episode is like new footage or like recycled footage uh, or like footage that they found from the archives and stuff like that. This scene is a copy paste from 305, this one. They literally just put in the exact same scene, same angles, same everything, but now it has a different connotation, has different, it's under a different Light. They were like, we don't need to shoot new footage. We mm-hmm. got this. We got, we've done this one already. She's in the same shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene between Nikki and all the other guys, this has also already happened in, in 305. But we see Paolo in the bathroom. This is amazing storytelling. Yes. This is amazing. In season five, we thought, haha, toilets. <laughs> or no, like, in, in 305. Ha. In 305, we're like, haha, toilets. Haha, he went to the bathroom. But in reality, they were planting this incredible thing. It's amazing. It was well done. Mm-hmm. It would have been great if you had found like the only working toilet. Yeah. Like, I would have just, I would just, you know, kept that a secret and kept Right, not told. Yeah, don't, and just not flushed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Everyone, every, he'd come out and everyone would be like, why didn't you flush? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know he didn't actually go to the bathroom. And honestly, I feel weird about that because it's like, if this, when's the last time you used a toilet, my guy? Like, take the opportunity. There, is there toilet paper in here? Good point. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes me think, like, there's obviously a toilet in the hatch. Mm-hmm. Must have been very popular. Well, can you imagine experiencing indoor plumbing yeah. after, like... Imagine the lineups. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's why when, when Kate was like, hey, I'm going to take a shower now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, congratulations. I can't believe he didn't take the opportunity to actually use the toilet. And I also think that he should have taken the toilet paper from out there because they've just been using leaves. Oh, ew. Unless they've been using toilet paper from the Dharma drop, which they might have done, actually. Because that one time- I'm going to pretend that that's what it is. Yeah, because that one time- my own mental health. That that Paolo had Sawyer's magazines and he was pooping with them. Oh, yeah, 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 toilet paper. paper. So they had toilet paper, but not in season one. So he gets the diamonds, he puts the pieces back in the toilet and, you know, you look back at that classic toilet joke and it was actually super important. It was great. Incredible. And everyone's like, and no one suspects that everyone's like he's just in the bathroom. Yeah. So people are digging Nikki and Paolo's graves. Hurley demands the gun from Sawyer and Sawyer's like, it doesn't even have any bullets in it. And he's like, well, how are you sweeping the perimeter then? You're a liar. It's performative. And so they ask about Nikki and why didn't you tell us that what was going on or whatever? I love this scene because it is so classic Agatha Christie. They're like, Sawyer, we are accusing you. And Sawyer's like, yeah, I did it. 
but I didn't do it the way you thought I did. <laughs> Twasn't I? He's like, all right, fine. You did see me fighting with Nikki, but that's not the reason why. You know, it's like a classic, like, villain. It's, it's like a total whodunit moment. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, halfway through a CSI episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, I see what this is. Villagers have got themselves some torches. Did you kill them? No. No, I didn't kill them. Yeah, me and Nikki went at it this morning. Because she wanted a gun. Why didn't you tell us this before? Because of dirt under her nails. What? She was digging. And when we found him, I saw a fresh mound of dirt. She was burying something. And if you take the time to dig a hole right before you die, then what you're hiding is probably pretty damn good. And so Nikki, he's like, Nikki asked for a gun this morning and I noticed the dirt under her nails because she was clearly digging. And if you take time to do that before you die, what you're hiding must be pretty crazy. And so I found these diamonds and he gives them to Sun. And he's like, I didn't have anything to do with what killed them. I'm just a curious con man. I'm just a curious take con it, man. Take it, I don't care, whatever. So we get to 12 hours ago. Nikki is reminiscing about their lives, saying that Thanksgiving was two weeks ago and we missed it and we're missing everything if we don't get rescued. And Paolo has faith that they are going to be rescued. And she's like, why are you so optimistic? And he's like, Maybe Maybe not finding the bag was a really good thing because if we did find it, it might have like torn us apart. And they have this actual like really nice moment. Yes. So in the commentary, Eddie said, and this is where you start to see her change and you think that had she not found the Nicorette wrapper at the end of the scene, they may have been happy. They may still be alive. They may be actually on their way to having a normal, healthy relationship. This is really as close as she gets to redemption. Mm -hmm. And Adam said, this was also one of my favorite moments in the episode when she talks about missing Thanksgiving, because it was an opportunity to really humanize the character as much as we could. And also to have that sense of people who are really sad and they're missing their lives and learn to question what they're doing. And that's the tragedy we're trying to go for here, which is that these two really almost could have been great together, but they just couldn't get past their greed. Yeah, hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> See, and I would argue that it wasn't even actually a lot of his greed. Mm -hmm. I say it was mostly hers. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's gonna go get breakfast for them and then he accidentally leaves his nicotine gum and that was in the bag and so now she knows that he found the bag. And so she <sighs> plots this devious plan to like genuinely hurt him and his feelings. It's it is it intrinsically evil. Yeah. Like just take it then. You know? Jeez. No. So she goes to Sawyer to ask Wait for a gun. Wait he falls asleep! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seduce him. Exactly. If you're trying to get if you're trying to get in his pants, literally. You literally need to get in his pants. Wait until he falls asleep. If you don't find it and you're like, and you basically found out where it was anyway, because you're like, I bet I know where it is. Seduce him then, dummy. You don't have to like paralyze him. Yeah. He, if she tried to do that, he'd be like, oh, actually, um, uh, I'm not in the mood. Uh, good, good night. Exactly. <laughs> don't look in my pants. I like that his plan was to keep the diamonds in his pants for like forever. However long it takes to get off the island. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like you literally had a huge pocket right there. Yeah. And in fact, she doesn't even check his pocket later on. No, she doesn't. So she goes to Sawyer to ask for a gun. He's like, no, the A-team took them all. But you have some for you? And he's like, what? No, but he totally does. We literally saw it this episode. Like, what? No. And he's like, even if I did have one, I'm not giving it to you because you seem really mad. So it seems like bad things would happen if I did that. And then we see Dez seeing them 
argue, which is important. And then she, he's like, who even are you? That's so mean. <laughs> he says it like to her face, like three or four times, which like would be so demoralizing, especially as an actor. Oh yeah. You know, you'd be like, excuse me, I'm Nikki Fernandez. I was on Expose. <laughs> Just wait. I am a noted guest actress on a niche reality show. Yeah. Uh, you're fictionalized though. Yeah. Not sure if it's aired yet. Either way, like... Sawyer comes and like closes her eyes and says like, thanks for nothing. Even if you don't really know her, it's scary to see people that you were like just talking to dead. Yeah. You know? I think that would be the weirdest mm -hmm. sensation. Well, it's like, even if, you know, it's like it could have been anybody, you know? Like I was just talking to you. I was like right beside you. And now I will never get to talk to you again. Yeah. And yeah. like, it could have been me because I don't know what happened to you, you know? Yeah. So Sun comes up to confront Sawyer and she's like, hey, Charlie said it was your idea. <laughs> if I was a Sawyer, I'd be like, thanks, Charlie. It's nice that you wanted to confess. Best, but but you're taking me down with you, which is morally the right thing to do. But if I was Sawyer, I'd be pissed. So he's like, ah, oh, are you going to tell Jin? Because he's my best friend and he would be really mad. And I don't want. He's, that's my best friend. So she's like, no, my I won't. My best friend. <laughs> I, won't tell I won't tell him because if I did, you, I, he would murder you. And Sawyer's like, I don't know. We're friends. <laughs> I don't know about that. Sawyer, come on. Yeah. So she gives him back the diamonds because they have no value here, which is true. And she slaps him across the face. She didn't slap Charlie because I guess he was honest and remorseful and it didn't really seem like Sawyer was at all. Sawyer has never been like, he's definitely been honest and remorseful, mm -hmm. but he, it's going to take like hurting cats to get him to actually express it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so much easier for him to be a dick. Yeah. And then he takes the slap and then he never has to face consequences. I do believe that he definitely deserved to be slapped in this moment, hundred percent, but I would be remiss not to bring up the fact that Sun does most of the slap in this series and I don't always love it. That's fair. Like she does almost every single slap and sometimes it's like uh, we slap people too much. Yeah. It's like instead of having her use her words they just have her be violent and it's yeah. like why? Mm -hmm. And it's like it's a badass woman thing to do but it's not badass to hit people. It would have been so much better to just roast the hell yeah. out of Sawyer. You mm -hmm. know? And she could have done it. She's so good at it. Yeah. Like I said I'm not saying he doesn't deserve this one because he does. No he does. Yeah. I'm just saying that she seems to always move to violence and I don't always love it. Yeah. So now we're at their funeral and and Hurley basically says, we didn't know you. It seems like you killed each other for diamonds, but you were always really nice to me and you were here and you were part of this family and I really loved Exposé. So thank you. Goodbye. He's very good at things like this. It's true. It's like, you charming know, in his sort of fumblingness. He's like, I will just pick all of the positive things that I can say and I'll say them. And I appreciate that. In the commentary, Eddie said, with Jack gone and Hurley leading this, it kind of highlights that Jack isn't on the island who normally does the eulogies. And I love that he looks for the good things to say about them, even though he thinks that they killed each other over greed. Mm -hmm. So Sawyer pours the diamonds over their dead bodies and says their names right. And just I, like rest in peace. I don't buy this. Mm -hmm. I do not buy that Sawyer would throw diamonds away. Yeah. It's Sawyer. He hoards things. Mm -hmm. Of course he would keep a bag full of diamonds. But I also think, and I agree, but I also think that he is kind of like Locke in the way that he is pretty married to the idea that he is not ever leaving this island. And even if he got the opportunity to, he might not because he has said in the past, like, I don't have anything to go back for, you know? So I wonder if it's like there, I, there will never be value in these for me. I mean, maybe, but at the same time, Sawyer having access to diamonds just feels so much like shiny object I like, yeah. which... Sawyer very much is. Yeah, that's true. And that's something to go back for. You have diamonds now. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. There's nothing to go back for. No, I have eight million dollars worth of diamonds here. Was Hello. I deported from Australia? Yeah, but I'm a millionaire. Yeah, who so cares? I got more money than early now. Imagine Sawyer goes back with his eight million dollars in diamonds and they're like, hey, those were Howie Zuckerman's arrested. <laughs> <laughs> 
No! <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah. He tries to fence the diamonds and they're like, gotcha! Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's, here, okay, we're getting to the real fun stuff. So, eight hours ago, first okay. of all, eight. Eight hours <clears throat> is how long the Medusa spiders thing goes on. Uh-huh. Nikki brings Paolo through the jungle and she's like, it's a surprise, hee hee, but he's being led to his death basically. And she's like, I found the diamonds. And he's like, um, what? Cause he's, a, cause she's an actor. So she's like, I did it. And he is not an actor. And so he's like, um, where? Yeah, he's not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. And so she pulls out the gum and she's like, you clearly have them. And he's like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, calm down. And in the commentary, Adam said to us, the thing that helped make this story work and us able to write it was once we were able to hit upon the idea that Paolo really loves her and that it's not simply about greed but it's about his love for her and eddie said and fear of losing her in his mind if she finds the diamonds she won't need him anymore and so in his mind it's better that they never find them and that they don't get all the money this is where people start to realize they're not dead they're actually buried alive which was a genius idea damon came up with to bury them alive so like the iconic ending was also damon's idea which i love that's wild to me Mm -hmm. like were they just gonna straight up be dead the entire time i think so because like the hook of this whole episode Mm -hmm. is that mystery i think that if that twist wasn't what happened, I would feel differently about this episode. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It would change the entire, the entire episode. Yeah. Uh, like it definitely, it wouldn't be in my top 10 without that big clincher of an ending. Yeah. Because like, it's something that has to be deeply dark. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't just, I mean, the whole idea of the episode was that they were going to kill off Nikki and Paolo, but. Yeah. It's the way they do it that matters. They had to do it in a, they had, yeah, exactly. It has to be funny. It be big. <laughs> it has to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> like I hate it but yeah basically yeah <laughs> so she gets the spider out and she throws it at him and it bites him and he accidentally kills it which is fair and she's like it's called a Medusa spider because she turns you to stone Adam and Eddie in the commentary said uh, there's no such thing as that we made it up <laughs> which is extremely convenient thank you so you much you know what it's a TV show you're allowed to make things up plus it's a mysterious like floaty island yeah you so, know whatever oh it's hilarious the, the Medusa spider allows for like such hilarious theories on Lostpedia mm-hmm. it's just you can just say anybody who dies was just bitten by a spider. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's valid. And then they just like wasted away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There, there's like some people are like, I guess this is all spoilers. So yes. <laughs> can't go into it, but later. Yeah. Basically ever, everyone's alive. Yeah. It's secretly. Ana Lucia is still alive. Mm-hmm. I yeah, wish. exactly. She got shot <laughs> before she got shot by uh, a whole bunch of uh, bullets. She got bit by the Medusa spider. That's so. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. The bullets didn't do anything. No. Because they paralyzed her so much that the bullets couldn't get through. 100%. Her paralyzed skin. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Actually, it, the Medusa spider is actually also um, a magic cure. Oh. Okay. So, like, it cure, it like made her immortal. Yeah, it was like, listen, we aren't dying from this. We have to be paralyzed. It's more important to be paralyzed than it is to die from our wounds. Exactly. I'm glad you get it. It slows down your heartbeat. You can't bleed out. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's fine so she's like it slows your heart rate so like a doctor wouldn't even be able to tell which is fine because a doctor isn't here he's he's (laughs) not available so it's okay i feel like they had to say that and they had to make sure that jack wasn't here because otherwise they'd be like hey because they're supposed to they're because it's supposed to be like jack is the best doctor ever and so if jack was like "Mm, yeah no they're dead then they'd be um like minimizing how good jack is okay but like tease a doctor figured it out dogter yeah very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Where did he get his PH- PhD? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Veterinary school. Is he a doctor or is he a vet? 
It doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> but just imagine if they like put, if they said a doc, a good doctor would be able to tell. And, yeah, a good doctor. And then Jack doesn't show up. And he's like, mm, I don't know. Jack's just standing there. It's like, oops. <laughs> like this, like the person emoji just like, hi. <laughs> it's me. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> A doctor who wasn't a middle school yeah. science teacher. Uh, right, right, right. Or it's just like, I was actually Oops. the only one qualified to figure this one out, but you guys blew me up. <laughs> yeah, I honestly love that. It's like, well, if ours was here, then we wouldn't be dead. <laughs> the one instance. Well, he kind of sets this whole thing up. Yeah. So Paolo falls down and basically she can search for the diamonds on him because he can no longer move. And they didn't explain that until now so that you can start putting it together in the last few minutes. It's very masterful. It's great. It's de- it's super dark. And what Nikki is doing is straight up unhinged. Like I feel so bad for Paolo. Yeah, this is where I was like, okay, like, I can see where Nikki's from. Like, I can see her point of view. I don't like her. And then, like, you get to this scene and I'm like, oh, no, this bitch is just evil. Got it. Yeah. Wouldn't be my first plan. Right, exactly. But I do have to say, like, if... If he knew that she was willing to kill Howie for these diamonds, he should know that she'd be willing to kill him. Also, I'm just going to ask it. What did he see in her? I don't know. I don't know either. I have not seen a redeeming quality. Pretty? Yeah, pretty lady. That's it. Yeah. yeah how did they meet? That island is yeah, full well, of pretty I mean, I don't ladies. know. Reddit? <laughs> no! Was Reddit even around then? No, probably not. I don't know. So she's like, oh, is it in your shoe? And then she throws it and it lands in a tree. So that's how the shoe got there. Real mature. And then she finds it in his underwear. And then he says he's sorry. And she's like, ah, you're only sorry because you got caught. Because until now, she thinks that it's because he wanted it for himself. Because that's how she would have reacted. That's how she would have reacted. That's what she would have done. And he didn't tell her that. Like, he never communicated that, you know? But it also just doesn't occur to her that he could actually have any real feelings for her because she's so selfish. She thought that he was manipulating her. Yep. So she had to manipulate him back when it wasn't about that. Yeah. Also, she goes for the shoe and then the pants or and inside the pants. Yeah. Not the pocket. Right. Not the pockets. Oh and my God. Yeah. Not the pockets. No. I'm like, why would you go there? This man probably hasn't showered in so long. In so long. Oh you my got God. the two stinkiest <gasps> parts of a human. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's my last resort. You know, <laughs> Sawyer found the like bag of diamonds and he was like, not only are these dirty, but they also smell horrible. <laughs> 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 these kind of smell like These are ball diamonds. That's why he gets rid of them. He's like, these are, I don't want these. <laughs> these diamonds are super tainted. <laughs> He's like, I don't want these stinky diamonds. <laughs> it's not worth the $8 million. <laughs> I can't please. Like, oh, they, no. No, thanks. That no ain't thanks. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so he, like, <laughs> she genuinely thinks that he was just doing it for himself until he, like, says that he didn't want to lose her and he didn't want her to, like, not need him anymore. And you can tell that she didn't know that and now actually feels bad. I mean, she probably should. She has, like, a, pe- a feeling of remorse in that moment. And I did want to say, Rodrigo Santoro, very, very good in this scene. Mm-hmm. He's, like, got the emotion. He's got the, I'm being paralyzed. He's got, he's very good. There's a reason he's such scene. a solid actor. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry because you got caught. I was afraid of losing you. If you found the diamonds, you wouldn't need me anymore. And then all of the male spiders show up and she gets bit. Uh-oh. Spaghetti-o? Spaghetti-o. <gasps> 
on Lostpedia, it said that when the, um, when she throws the spider on him, the chitter noises of the monster can be heard as a large group of spiders appear and bite Nikki. After much speculation, these noises and the subsequent spiders were confirmed to have been the work of the monster um, in the official Lost podcast. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily all the Medusa spiders pheromones. It was also sort of the monster. Okay. Who were like, it's time for Nikki and Paolo to be out of here. He rounded them up. Good day. So this is interesting because you can see that he sees, Paolo sees that the spiders are coming towards her, but he doesn't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And my first thought is, well, I can't blame him because she did this to him. But if he had just let her know and let her like run away, they'd both be alive because she'd be able to just explain what happened. And she'd be like, don't kill him. He's not dead. Right. Yeah. Because she now knows, like she feels remorse about what happened and everything. And so she runs and buries it and finds Sawyer and Hurley. And it was, she was bit on her leg rather than her neck. So she has like more time because the bloodstream has to like get up to like her heart, I assume. Oh, I was going to say that she probably had a shorter time because of the adrenaline. Mm. Well, oh yeah. Because I feel like she did have a shorter time just sort of, because he had time to like collapse and like get words out. And like she monologued at him. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. And so she collapses and she says that she's paralyzed. By now, as an audience member, your heart is racing and you're like, oh no. They're gonna fix this, right? Yeah, they're not gonna have Sawyer and Hurley be murderers and kill these people, right? Unintentional. No, the way they would say like deaths on their Wikipedia page, Nikki and Paolo, unintentional. Dude, literally on the deaths page on Lostpedia, it says like Desmond, 300 people because he was the reason that the plane crashed. (gasps) Like he's got those on him. That's so dark. Yeah, so they definitely have Nikki and Paolo on their conscience. No wonder Desmond took unknowing. Yeah. (laughs) And so she used her very last word to try and tell them that she isn't dead. If she hadn't gone and buried those diamonds, she would have been able to explain. Yep. And she wouldn't, like, like Adam and Eddie were saying in the commentary, they died because of their greed over and over and over Yep, that's just the island's lesson for them. Next question. How much did they see and hear while they were paralyzed? I think all of it. That is horrifying. Because it didn't say they'd be unconscious. It said that they would be paralyzed. Yeah. I cannot imagine being able to see everything they see, but also being able to hear, knowing that they were digging their graves. Mm -hmm. God, it's horrifying. And hearing that like they had no impact on people and like people are like making fun of them. Yeah. At least Nikki heard. Well, no. I was going to say at least Nikki heard that Hurley loved expose, but they just left their bodies over on Boone Hill while they went through their stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so they start shoveling the sand onto them and they everyone else leaves Sawyer and Hurley to do it for some reason I assume because like they were the ones who found Nikki and found Paolo I guess and then Nikki's eyes open as sand is shoveled onto her face oh it's so dark and then they finish burying them and walk away and you're like oh they're gonna notice right but then they never do they don't and then and Giacchino's score is so good in this moment too and it's just like god oh, what an ending like that's how they die they just suffocate yeah. on sand because because their paralyzation wears off really slowly and so her eyes are the only thing that she can move at first you know and so she doesn't have she can't talk she can't move she can't do anything Mm -hmm. so they will just be suffocated by the sand before they can before they can move again i like what happened like nightmares about that yeah i like how they had such dry eyes the whole time which is probably very painful yeah and then the moment she can open her eyes just sand (laughs) (laughs) oh what a horrible way to go it's just not a great episode for your eyes no ouch that's sucks that sucks woof all right not the woof woof (laughs) all right so now it's time for our segments the first segment is our best line award uh my best line award goes to sawyer and son for you gonna tell jen no (sighs) 
Because then we'd have to dig another grave. <laughs> Iconic. It is. Incredible. I love I am I love Sawyer's face afterwards too, because then he looks at her like, oh, you said that, huh? Oh, oh. <laughs> like good one. And mine goes to Sawyer and Hurley for. Nina and Pablo. Dude, show some respect. You know their names. It's Nikki and Paolo. Whatever you are. Imagine if their names were Nina and Pablo. I'm so I'm so obsessed with their names being Nikki and Paolo now that like you can't change their names. Okay. And what about you, Aaron? And mine goes to Corvette. <laughs> for Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle! Ah! <laughs> Razzle Dazzle. The speed at which she said Razzle Dazzle mm -hmm. while also doing the kick. That's perfect. Yeah. It's delightful. I have to tell you, I was like, I'm going to pick my favorite line award. And here's a list of favorite line awards. That's what I always give to Brittany. I pick out a bunch of ones that she can pick from and then she gets to pick hers. And um, I was like, I have Razzle Dazzle on this list, but why don't you wait until Aaron picks his? Because I'm pretty sure he'll choose Razzle Dazzle. That's exactly what she said. Razzle Dazzle. Because <laughs> I know it. Oh, it's mm -hmm. just, it's a bit of a wordy uh, catchphrase, especially for a guest star. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, especially when you're like saying it in the middle of beating someone up. Yeah. Exactly. It takes a lot of focus. Like, that might for the orphanage. Razzle dazzle. And, razzle like you dazzle. gotta kick while you're saying razzle dazzle. You need to focus. <sighs> I don't know. It's tough. So our next segment is man of science, man of faith. Today we're talking about Nikki and Paolo. What? In my opinion, I think that Nikki is a man of science and Paolo is a man of faith. Why? I think Nikki is, is the one who's constantly like, I will go to this actual scientist and try and scientifically figure out where my bag could be. And Paolo is the one who's like, I have faith that basically if we don't look for it anymore, like things will still work out you know okay um but he also like is thinking scientifically if uh, we find these diamonds she's gonna leave me okay you know yeah so i don't know what do you think? I think that I agree with you. That was a compelling argument. Next one is Hurley's Walkman. The music that Nikki strip teases to is Rump Shaker. I have not, I had not heard that song effect. in so long. We don't use a whole lot of diegetic music or non-diegetic, I can't remember which one is which, of like music with lyrics that happens in universe, but they did here and it's Rump Shaker. <laughs> I liked it. So next is Sawyer's Book Corner. This will be fun. Okay. So he's reading Evil Under the Sun by Agatha Christie. Um, of course he's yes. reading an Agatha Christie. The plot of the book is a murder on an isolated island, and the key elements are a live person posing as a dead body, and the time of death not being what it appeared to be. The plot of the episode itself plays out similarly to many murder mysteries, especially this one. That's a, that's like the perfect one for them to put in. It, it's it's flawless. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering if that like actually kind of inspired it. Could be. I don't see why not. Right? Mm -hmm. So our next segment is, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode, and they did the thing five times this episode. Yeah. They really did. Yeah, three of them were in the same scene within like the same conversation. But yeah, they, they did the thing five times this episode. Howard L. Zuckerman, the creative force behind such hit shows as Expose. Expose. Did you just say Expose? Yeah. What the hell's Expose? I really loved Expose. How many episodes since the last knockout, which Aaron, I believe you were the person who came up with this segment. Oh yeah. Does it still work? Yeah. Yeah. It works really well. We're still doing it. Oh, that's really nice to hear. <laughs> and uh, it's been three episodes since the last knockout. So we're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? No. They rarely do. Yeah. No. I'ma be honest. It doesn't. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. I like that. 
-hmm. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank you so much to our lovely roommates, Emily and Sam, for hanging out in their rooms while we recorded this podcast. And for babysitting the puppy. For babysitting my puppy when he was being bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're so inclined, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We would, like, super love that. Yeah. Uh, If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, no spoilers. And now we're going back to do the good old days. We're starting with season three and going backwards so that we can end with season one. Funsies. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that hot mess too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the middle of, what season are we on? Five. five? We're in almost done season five. five. Yeah, we're almost done season five. Um, I, I think that, yeah, when this episode comes out, there's like one episode of season five left. Yeah, it's beautifully awful. It's terrible. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's truly awful. It's horrible. Yeah. It, yeah. It's poorly done, but I love it. it that, yeah. yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We have done all of season one and all of season two. We are almost done season three. I believe we only have like one or two episodes left of season three, and then we are simply waiting for season four. We have one episode left. One episode left to record. I don't know about when this comes out, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, most places, but mostly Twitter, and then I post gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Because you're an icon. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked about Patreon yet uh, today, because usually I do that in between storylines, but we didn't have an in between storyline this time. Oh, right. So our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive what we do. Um, at the $1 level, you get early access to all of our podcasts. This one comes out a whole week in advance. At the $2 level, you get access to our Discord server where we have some really cool, um, super fun stuff going on over there. $5, you get um, 10% off at choppylux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff. And at the $10 level, you get access to our Patreon-only podcast called Okay Love You Hi, where we talk about uh, whatever we want to bi-weekly for about 45 minutes. And it's great. It's true. We really appreciate that. Aaron, you're a Patreon sponsor. I am. It's worth the money. What, what makes you say that? What's your favorite part about it? I like when I get my postcards in the mail. Yeah. That makes me happy. Makes me feel good. Yeah, this is coming out at the beginning of October and our anniversary is coming up in November and all of our Patreon sponsors get a fancy postcard every single year. So you should probably join. Scorsese. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Brittany. And thank you, listeners. (laughs) Where can we follow you? If you really want to, you can follow me at Aaron Groovy Belt. Yeah, to see every March 5th. <laughs> yeah, see what I'll see what I'll do for Robin's birthday next year. Yeah, this year's was pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good, it was a good battle, especially for mine, for yours. Yes, I gifted you a semi-viral tweet. Yeah, I was surprised by that. <laughs> so next episode is episode three fifteen. It's called Left Behind, and the guest for that episode is actually going to be one of my high school best friends, Steph. Um, you can follow them at co-theoretical on Twitter. I convinced them to watch Lost this year, and so I'm really excited to have them on uh, for next episode. Woohoo! Yeah! Okay, love you, bye! Love you, bye! Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Those are the world's quietest bye. bye.
Okay, so for spoilers, first of all, we have to say that our knockout counter is actually only on two episodes because yeah. Mikhail was knocked out um, in the episode after Enter 77, so par avion. But as far as the no spoilers people know, he died. He, <laughs> <But> he <laughs> didn't actually die. Um, he was just knocked out. I wish out. he was. So it's actually only been two episodes since our last knockout. Yeah. Also, this is the final episode to feature Keely Sanchez as Nikki and Rodrigo Santoro as Paulo as main credited cast members. Keely Sanchez would make one more uncredited and archival appearance as Nikki in Jiyun, um, because I believe they're watching Expose. I think they're watching her episode of Expose or something like that. And Rodrigo Santoro would never appear in the series again. He got way too famous way too fast. Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's okay. So I think I have like maybe three spoiler thoughts in here just yeah, because this there's... episode doesn't set up a lot. Yeah. But Aaron, did you have thoughts on um what did what were you saying? Oh, something about the Medusa spider and how Oh, just the some people aren't dead. Yeah, just the horrific fan theories out there. Yeah. Uh, like maybe uh, Christian is alive and he got oh, <gasps> and he was paralyzed somehow. Oh my gosh! Instead of him being the man in black, yeah, I I can't uh, I can't think about that. There's some of these that I'm like, this has to have been written before the end of the series, right? Like, right, right, yeah, because people are just putting whatever they want on there. Yeah, I'm like they. I love the one. I love the one Explain that. Explain this. Jeremy Bentham is. Bitten by a by a Medusa oh. spider in the coffin. Oh my god, that would be so wild. The weirdest thing about when Locke comes back to life in, in at the end of season five is that like the man in black who's like up and walking around didn't take Locke's body. He just took the form of Locke. So like they still yeah. have Locke's body and then right. they just have another Locke walking around. Just a spider bites him every eight hours. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he just like carries it around like in um, Goblet of Fire when Moody just always has power or a polyjuice potion with him. And he just always has like he a pile like, of a spider. Yeah, he just has like a spider hanging out. And luckily they attract the others to them mm -hmm. so he's never short of supply. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It works in every situation. Yeah. We're geniuses. So one of the only spoilers that I have is uh, some stuff on Lostpedia, which is after Zuckerman tells her that they can bring her back next season, Nikki says, I'm just a guest star and we all know what happens to guest stars. This foreshadows her departure from the show, obviously, because this deems them as, as guest stars. So I mean, obviously. they foreshadowing. They were very much guest stars. Yes. And then Nikki only ever appears in a rerun of Expose on Sun's television in a flash forward in season four. And so thus... Nikki was brought back next season. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that was purposeful at all. But <laughs> no, but I like that little, like, little Easter egg. Yeah. Oh, do you think it's a rerun? Or is that when it premieres? Oh. No, it's gotta be a rerun because she was shooting... Oh, you're right. Because she was shooting it in 2004, in September of 2004. It has to be a rerun. And in, a right. in the flash forward, it's been... It depends on if it was right before, like, right after she got home from... Like, I don't remember exactly when it happens, if it's, like, right before she has her baby or if it's like after the three years have happened and she already has her baby you know I think it depends on if it was like an actual if it was the airing or if it was a rerun can you imagine Sun like looks and is just like oh my god <laughs> that'd be so weird I buried you I know what happened to the diamonds I yeah. know what happened to Howie Zuckerman. All of them. Oh my God. Okay, like all of them would like be able to put those pieces together. Yeah, if Sun even cared about Howie Zuckerman, she's like, I live in Korea. I don't care what's happening. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, the other one that I had was that they say that um, ours, they're like, oh, he's a high school science teacher. And then she's like, no, he's a junior high science teacher. I did want to say in the flash sideways, it is high school. Oh. 
Um, because he works with Ben. Art's got a little upgrade. Yeah. On the cast list that uh Hurley looks at that says Nikki Fernandez, they also have the name Rick Lapidus. Lapidus's name is Frank. Um, but they did use this last name, which is interesting. I was like, wait a minute. And then yeah. I was like, that can't be right. Mm -hmm. When Locke finds Paolo burying the diamonds, he tells him that things don't stay buried on this island. This could foreshadow the deceased being resurrected when MIB takes their form. Yeah, that was my question is like, does he have experience with burying things in the sand? Sun did. Yeah, exactly. And then she found her ring, which is good in season two. All right. Or was that season one? I don't remember. Juliet is like, oh, Jack is cute. And we know, not from next episode, but a, I think the episode after is the next Juliet episode where we learn that like Ben has like weird feelings for Juliet. Yeah. And so I hope that she specifically said that Jack is cute right in front of him just to annoy him. I, I'm, I'm sure it was to piss him off. Yeah. Later in season, I don't even remember which season, but um, Miles shows up and is basically like demanding money from Ben. Is like, I, will, I won't tell the mercenaries and everything that you're here if you give me like millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And Ben's like, why do you think I have millions of dollars? I um, live on an island yeah. and I don't have a career. I have a job. But later, I can't remember what season, but like, I want to say like season six, because mm -hmm. that's the season that they were bringing back lots and lots of stuff, even just mentioning them. That he's like at Boone Hill and he says, why should I care about anything that you do when there's two jabronis named Nikki and Paolo under here with $8 million in diamonds? Oh my god. So Miles brings that up later. And honestly, that's all I got for spoilers. Because uh, it kind of all begins and ends here, to it's be honest. It's very much a one-off episode. Yeah. I mean, they don't even start with a recap. Exactly. Just gets right into it. Yeah. The whole the whole thing is a recap. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like, even they have, they literally have a recap of the beginning of the episode at the end of the episode. I think that's funny. Yes. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention? Nope. Just love the episode. It's a great episode. So good. Great. Aaron, once again, thanks for coming on. Thank you both. I'm, I'm glad that you were here. I was so nervous when uh, I was talking to you at, like, I FaceTimed you at Grandma's birthday, when you guys were at Grandma's birthday, and I was like, okay, I have to ask Aaron if he still wants to be on the expose episode. <laughs> and if he says no, I don't know who I'm going to find who loves this episode more than him. It's true. It's true, but, you know. And so when you were like, yes, I want to come back on, I was like, thank God. It's only been three years. Yeah. That's so weird. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Great episode. It Worth coming episode. back for. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow Aaron, check out his information in the description. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with, with an underscore at the end. <laughs> and you can follow us in general at The Aficionados. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The And we love you. Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Say it. <laughs> okay, love you, bye! Yay! <laughs> Ah, the gentle bullying of family. <laughs> Say it! There's Nikki.